Welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's show was recorded on July the 3rd, 2018. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, the stepchild of the Incredibles. Caffeine nope. Rage? Yeah, that one kind of got away from me, but that's okay. All right, here He's I thought you was going to call me the uh, gayest of frogs. <laughs> I should have went with that. The gayest of frogs. No, no, you already lost it. Go on. It's fine. I'll edit around it. On today's show, we will, of course, be discussing the games that we have played this week and last week. Steam plans to make their own Steam Spy. Doki Doki Literature Club is blamed for a UK teen's suicide. Valve defends its decision to back off of Steam curation with hard numbers at an industry talk. Psychologists and scholars condemn the WHO classifying gaming disorder as an addiction. We'll have our weekly community corner and our Steam weekly discovery queue. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hello. How are you? Eh, doing all right. We've been sitting here talking for a while. Indeed. We have got n- <laughs> nearly an entire uh, freaking episode out- off of that. I don't- I'll have to go through and-, and check some of it, but definitely the stuff where I was talking about movies will be good uh franken show content yeah you just uh, like yeah you just meet me completely 15 minutes <laughs> but uh yeah i'm i'm tired and like a little bit punch a drunk little bit silly yeah yeah i have to admit i'm uh probably there as well i'm trying to fix my sleep cycle after uh having a couple just nights where lay down and you know doze off a little bit and uh, wake up and I'm just wide awake. You know, essentially take a nap involuntarily. Yeah. And once I'm at that point where I wake up like that, I'm up. Yeah, I'm not getting, getting back to sleep anytime soon. Which is fucking irritating whenever, you know, there's something I have to do or, you know, uh, it just completely screws my sleep cycle. Yeah. I, uh, I had an insanely busy day at work today. Uh, I am uh, by emphasis, myself. Emphasis on the insane. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm by myself at the office this week. The other two therapists that are there are on vacation, so I, I'm not seeing their regular clients. But I am having to see all of the new appointments for the week, and uh, there were 19 on the schedule for today. Not all of them showed up. Thank God. Otherwise, I would be dead right now. Uh, but uh, question. Why do yeah. they schedule both uh, vacations at the same time? Are they vacationing together? Katie asked me the exact same question. Like, how did they get away with scheduling both of their vacations at the same time? And I said, I do not know. And I have ba- I've intended one, to get to the bottom of it, ba- but I haven't had a chance. Maybe one submitted uh, their request in American date format and the other one uh, submitted it in UK format. Yeah, so it, it looked like it would have been a couple months ago. But then, Maybe. but then they said, "Oh no, 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 no! It's July. I, I just heard it backwards." Yeah, I, one. Oh, 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 this is a hazing ritual for you. <laughs> well, so far I'm passing with flying colors. Uh, as far as you know. Um, but one one of them has been there for forever. She's the matri like the matri d of the clinic. There's only one person that's been what, there. What? She shows people to their table. <laughs> Sometimes. 
Um, so she's been there like twenty or twenty-one years. May I take so, your uh, straight jacket, sir? <laughs> she she basically gets to do whatever she wants. I think I've seen her get away with a lot of stuff that nobody else would dare try do. So, and then the other one, um, he apparently had, had his vacation on the calendar for months. Uh, so. Also, it's her fault. I think so, but that's okay. It's fine. I don't mind. Uh, maybe they're off together banging. I don't... That would be exciting. <laughs> they're both older. She's in her early 60s. She's retiring in the next year or two. And he's also older. He's in his 50s. Um, But he's a pastor. Oh, you act like that's going to uh, excuse him from uh, that behavior. No, I'm not. I'm just saying like that would make it extra interesting. Like he's a pastor. I guess that's the only part that makes it interesting, really. <laughs> in my in my head, I thought it was more scandalous than that. I mean, it's still kind of scandalous, but like they're both married, so I guess that would make it a little extra scandalous. I'm pretty sure that's not what they're doing, though. There's there's no way that Chris is ever going to listen to this. Chris is it's short for Christine, so. There's no way Chris is going to listen to this. Ken might. Oh, he plays video games. Uh, I, I was about to say. I was about to say. You're tempting fate. There's no way she's going to listen to this. No, there's there's no way she's going to listen to it. But Ken might. Hello, Ken. If you listen, we're sorry. I know. I know you know that I do this podcast, and I know that you like video games, and we talk about them sometimes. Occasionally, maybe. That's how that's how we bonded. Uh but yeah, occasionally we do talk about video games on this show about video games. There's always like this little weird moment in my head where it's like uh, you're channeling just Joel started, biscuit, maybe, <laughs> maybe, but like we just started the show, but we've been talking for according to the Skype call, forty three minutes at this yeah, point. Yeah, I know my timer six minutes uh, since the beginning of the recording or the show so it, proper. Yeah, and my brain always just does this little tick over thing, like, huh, I guess we should actually start the show now. We're not just bullshitting. <laughs> And my brain just did that tick over and it froze up for a second. Oh, uh, in order for us to be bullshitting, don't we need Kyle around now? Uh, Kyle helps. Kyle is like a bullshit multiplier. <laughs> you know, you and I each produce one times um, bullshit and then you throw Kyle in and it's like a million times multiplier. Uh, before or after he started drinking? Um, before. After he started drinking, it's a billion. Plus an accent. Or two. <laughs> Uh, well, speaking of two, you played the Crew 2's beta. Wait, wait, you're actually trying to segue this? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll force one in there. So we oh, are, my. uh, so we're going to alternate. Uh, I have, what did I say, 10 games? Uh, and, and you have seven. Yeah. Some of uh, mine are very are, short. and Some of mine are also very short. So we're just going to alternate a little bit and see where we get. Uh, so the crew two beta, I played this, uh, towards the end of June when they had the open beta. I was actually in the closed beta, but I never got a chance to play it because, well, that was around the time that I was moving or recovering, depending on when it actually uh, was happening. It was early June and uh, yeah, it's a good thing they have a lot of time to fix this game before it released. Oh, wait. So uh, let's uh, talk about the positive things real quick. Okay. Okay, let's move on. Okay, I'm joking, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> uh, they do change up a few things. For one, 
uh, they have a lot more things to do right away. The original crew, I actually somewhat enjoyed the original crew. I mean, I wasn't completely wild for it, but I did beat the main campaign and played it uh, some with the uh, audience a little bit. Uh, the original crew, it essentially uh, divided up the U.S. into se- into sections, and each section, uh, as the campaign, of course, uh, went through different areas, uh, very, actually somewhat slowly, <laughs> it focused on a different discipline of racing, either, you know, off-road, uh, uh, a sort of a, almost rally cross, even though they called it something else, uh, street racing, that sort of thing, uh, with uh, high performance being at the very end of things. The crew, too, they kind of take all the different disciplines, and instead of splitting them into uh, geographic regions, they split them into essentially these different progression tree camps. And they're split up into four camps, if I recall correctly. And immediately you're given several disciplines on each camp, so they do offer a lot more variety, which if you we're playing through the original crew and you hit a section that you just didn't like that style of racing, which is very possible because the crew uh, uh, really focused on just a few types. You do have more things to do, but the old adage, Jack of all trades, master of none really, really comes into play here. All the cars really don't have a unique feel to them. I'm talking about the, Types of cars. I gotta admit, I didn't play enough to really get too far into each discipline, but I have to say the initial play on each of the disciplines I tried, short of the boats and planes, which we'll get to, because yeah, obviously those aren't going to handle like cars. <laughs> I, I hope not. Uh, each of the cars really felt very samey. And because of that, it honestly... Felt very, very, very boring. On top of that, well, you know the, how the crew had some rather insane rubber banding. Oh yeah. Um, dialed up to eleven. I about it. Oh no. I mean, it's not the most insane rubber banding I've ever seen. Mostly because I played some really crap indie games where if you stomp on the track, the opponents actually stop. I mean, physically stop. And wait for you to start moving again. So. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not joking. I've actually played racing games uh, on some of the crappier side of the indie scene. Where they'll literally stop due to the rubber banding. The crew isn't that bad. But it's pretty damn close. So you always feel like your uh, efforts really don't amount to anything outside of the last. I would say half the lap of the last, or last half lap, if it's a closed circuit, or yeah, the last quarter to a third of her open circuit race. Uh, and it's just, uh, it, they do some weird, weird shit. Uh, they, uh, they don't have a proper campaign like they did in the original crew. Instead, they went with the bullshit uh, esports sort of thing going on. Where your progression is is followers on Twitter, YouTube, whatever the fuck they're using, because of oh, no. because of course, if you know uh, a race is trying to get organized, uh, yeah, uh, racers to uh, participate in, of course they're going to be more concerned about the number of fucking followers the different drivers have instead of I don't know skill. 
past history. Sponsorships, you know, how much money they could bring to the table. It, since it's, uh, you know, it, oh, I fucking hate the whole follower thing. Maybe I'm a little salty because, you know, after one race, my virtual driver has more followers than I do, but eh. <laughs> uh, and because they, they have it where the followers unlock uh, all the disciplines pretty quickly, actually, at least in the beta. I did not play the full game. Mostly because I fucking despise the beta. <laughs> and, you know, it's a full-priced uh, title, and I had, you know, the Steam sale to worry about. Indeed. Which we'll get to in a little bit. <laughs> uh, because of that, you're either going to be grinding or real-life money. Because they have the split currency system in this game as well. Which... Leads to a lot of pay to win. Granted, the crew also had that, but it was still bullshit there. But it's even more bullshit here because of how the split discipline system works, where, uh, you unlock the different camps fairly quickly, and all the camps have three to four, uh, different disciplines that they run. And because of that, you're pretty much running bankrupt the entire time unless you sit and grind. Or you go out and do the random events, which just gives you money and followers, because the loot system now is tied directly to the progression races, and whenever you complete one uh, of the main races, I should say, it'll give you a loot drop at the end. You know, the very uh, wow color scheme. Oh, you got an epic item. Wow. Uh, slap that on, because that's yeah, pretty much a brain dead uh, power up. There's no, you know, trying to do uh, various challenges or things uh, like they did in the original crew to get uh, parts. And they absolutely killed exploration in this game because they included airplanes and you get airplanes pretty much immediately. So it makes a hell of a lot more sense to uh, transform into an airplane, which for some reason, uh, hell if I know, your car is actually able to swap out on the fly. And some of the... Pseudo interesting races actually are multi discipline, so you'll go between a, your racing car to a boat to an airplane, or you know, in some version of that. Uh, but because of that airplane, they really killed any of the exploration. You know, you have no reason to drive around. You know, just get in the airplane or fast travel because you're able to fast travel anywhere now, or at least in the beta. So you know. Granted, the crew didn't have the greatest of exploration systems. You know, it was a lot of empty road, you know, just driving around. But that was also some of the fun of it, you know? Yeah. And this, you know, there's really no reason to do so outside of, you know, maybe unlocking or, you know, finding some of the things. Or uh, there's uh, the closest thing I can think of that they had uh, that was new to the uh, activity system was... Occasionally, you'll have to take a snapshot of your airplane or car or whatever near a landmark, and that gives you followers. Oh. But yeah, let's see. Uh, there's the motorcycles as well. I didn't really touch on those because that that's uh, really different from uh, the planes and uh, boats and even the cars. Uh, you know, the motorcycle system would uh, be really advanced if it was released around, uh, I'd say, Grand Theft Auto 
San Andreas? Maybe Vice City? Because I'll be damned if the bikes don't handle like those games. And it's the same idea of, uh, you know, uh, hell, uh, falling off a bike in Vice City and uh, San Andreas was actually harder. Uh, You know, some of the really stupid PUBG videos where you see somebody hit a a bump and and their bike goes spiraling out of control and the guy just, you know, hanging on like nothing happened. Yeah. The crew. Exactly like that. (laughs) Oh, that's. I don't. They could do better. They could do a hell of a lot better. I mean. The crew, the original crew fell into sort of this area where I uh, was kind of comfortable, where it was an arcadey sim. It had a little bit of sim elements where you could do a little bit of tuning by finding parts and, uh, all the cars at least felt somewhat different. Uh, it wasn't just, you know, this car's faster and that's pretty much it. Yeah. The crew too really dialed that back, which is so it's disappointing. Even more arcadey oh, than it was before. Oh, yeah. Far more arcadey. Uh, but let's see. Oh, sounds like somebody's uh, celebrating Independence Day a day early. I just heard a firework go off. It sounded kind of like a squeaky door or something, but I can imagine that's oh, or, a firework. Well, yeah. yeah, well, you didn't hear the pop at the end. Uh, But uh, airplanes, I touched on briefly before, but uh, pretty much all the airplanes bring to the table outside of exploration is you have airplane races, which are essentially you know aerial checkpoints. Or stump flying, which the stump flying is brain dead. Well, let's put it this way. Um, holding the rudder is called an air drift. <laughs> and it can be used to pretty much, uh, keep a combo of stunts going almost infinitely, you know? Yeah. And of course, chain together stunts gives you, survey says, followers. <laughs> I wasn't sure if you were going to say followers or boost or both. Uh, maybe it goes boost. Honestly, the airplanes, uh, don't really seem to benefit all that much from the nitro. Uh, because, you know, it's a very, very, very arcadey flight sim. Yeah. Uh, I am completely turned off to this game at this point. Because <laughs> I really struggled with how arcadey the first crew was. Um, I, I played it... I liked what I played of it. I, it was felt very much like um, a modern-day test drive to me. But if they've dialed it back even farther into the arcade, you know, arcade zone or arcade. I mean, they made it uh, so arcade even I don't like it. I prefer my arcade racers. Yeah. So, I'm... Uh, if this is ever, like, some kind of giveaway or yeah. something, sure, I'll get it, but otherwise, no thanks. Or, yeah, extreme, Good. extreme, like, 90% discount. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, the boats actually felt fairly decent. They, they, they were, like, the shining gem out of this. It felt like they spent most of the time on that. Uh, they had the an interesting little mechanic of uh, trimming, uh, you know, pulling back on the left stick to get a little bit of speed boost, but you lose some of your uh, uh, steering on that. But once again, because everything is rubber banded so heavily, you know, it doesn't really feel like it matters all that much. Yeah. Uh, and it feels like they are really, really uh, focusing on trying to get microtransactions just because of how they have everything set up in the progression system. 
where they're throwing so much at you at once, which isn't a bad thing uh, of itself because, you know, it gives a lot of choice. All the uh, camps essentially are groups of uh, different uh, disciplines, like uh, trying to think of the proper splitting here, but it's eluding me. Like one will have um, airplane races, uh, street racing, uh, maybe over road race, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, and it gives you an op, uh, 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 motorcycle racing. So it would be like, you know, airplane, uh, street racing, motorcycle racing, to give you an example. I, it's probably, I'm far off on my grouping there, but it gives you enough of a choice on the progression system that you could go through and, you know, focus on what you want. But all the cars in the original crew, uh, you had essentially kits that you bought. And your uh, each car could be outfitted with one of several kits to make them into a different discipline. And this, each car is a completely independent discipline. So it makes the grind even more extreme. Oh, there's just so many things I dislike about this game. <laughs> yep, it doesn't sound all that great to me. I will say that they did improve uh, the weather effects. But it felt like some of the graphics, uh, the world graphics were dialed back a bit. But it may just be, you know, my system's uh, getting aged. Uh, I will say that the frame rate was a lot more stable. Uh, uh, city uh, racing was still a bit low on FPS, but it was workable. Not amazing, but workable. Yeah. But, you know, getting out of the city, you know, uh, completely smooth 60 FPS. Uh, it's just, I'm really disappointed. I wanted to like it, but after a few hours of playing it, uh, it felt like, you know, uh, what's a good analogy? Like, uh, okay, uh, imagine chewing a piece of gum. You know, you get that burst of flavor at the very beginning, and then it quickly tapers off, and you know, you're just sitting there chewing this uh, semi-warm, rubbery piece of gunk. That's the crew, too. Nice. And when I say nice, I mean, eh? <laughs> uh, Alrighty. I mean, they do have some uh, things from the DLCs included uh, in the base game, but it's a hell of a grind to get to them. Like, they have the monster trucks already in the game. But they also have some really head-scratching things missing, like uh, direct PvP. There's no uh, player races. There's co-op races, but you can't do uh, player races until end of the year. Six months from now. Which maybe they're trying to do that to alleviate some of the pay to win uh, uh, cries because it gives time to ground out. But even the legendary items for your uh, uh, leveling up aren't even in the game. They're going to be in the first content patch in like a month or two. It just feels like this game is incredibly rushed. Yeah, like an, uh, an early... Triple access game. Uh, I was going to say games of service. Yeah. Games is service. <laughs> oh. But yeah, I didn't enjoy it. I tried to. I, I really did. But yo, know, this was pretty much the server stress test. There, yo, know, there wasn't really anything left. And uh, and oh, and pretty much every single camp had. Yo, douchey McDouchebag as your rival. 
Uh, it, well, of course. <laughs> Who else would be your rival? You know, uh, this guy uh, uh, has a silver spoon in his mouth, and he uh, is the best racer because he has all the top equipment, and you're going to take him on eventually, and he's going to be an absolute dickwad. So enjoy. Nice. <laughs> now I'm good. I'll pass unless it's a giveaway or really, really, really. Maybe really Twitch will give it away at some point, which Twitch is giving away a lot of games these days. Maybe so. Uh, so the first game on my list was a Steam sale title, or a, a game I bought on the Steam sale, Satellite Command. Um, Satellite Command is, think like the missions from Kerbal Space Program where you have to put a satellite in a specific orbit. And do that forever. There's a, there's a little bit more to it. There are missions that you can uh, take on with your satellites, which you've put in orbit, um, like f- photographing uh, the moon or s- using some sort of future space laser to blast space debris with your space laser. So, in other words, uh, putting uh, satellites into orbit and not doing anything else. So, me, once I install remote tech? Pretty much, except you don't actually have to do any of the launching or anything. You just build a satellite and choose the orbit you want it to be on. And then it launches and gets placed in that orbit. And then you can do things with it. Um, And you can reposition them um, so one satellite can serve more than one contract. Um, at least until you run out of fuel, you can dock with the International Space Station, uh, to refuel your satellites or upgrade them. Because you somehow. know uh, the International Space Station has manufacturing capabilities to upgrade satellites. Absolutely, it absolutely does. Didn't you know that? Uh, no, um, we learned from Armageddon. It's beer that has that, or at least the refuel capability. <laughs> but um. It's got a few other neat little things, like some of the missions that you do are tied to, like, historical things that happened. Like, there's one mission where you have to uh, deorbit some uh, a toolbox. And I'm like, that's weird, but okay. So I go to do the mission, which yeah, that you was, something, uh, you blast it with the laser. Yeah, that was an ISS thing, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And then once I actually completed the mission, it, like, flashed up and it was like, you completed the mission. And then, like... The text underneath it was like talking about how there was an astronaut on a spacewalk who accidentally pushed a toolbox away from them. Uh, and it was like a hundred thousand dollar toolbox when you counted in like the cost to launch it and stuff like that. Uh, you know, just some neat little facts. And there's stuff like that for the missions that you complete. So how, how expensive about. would the sandwich be in the toolbox? Oh God, that must be like a thousand dollar sandwich. At least a $500 sandwich, maybe $1,000, depending on, you know, whether or not you went for the extra pickles. Well, of course you always go for the extra pickles. But, I mean, it's not technically a bad game. Like, it does what it sets out to do. It does it pretty well. Um, There's, like, a tech tree where you can research upgrades for your satellites and make them cheaper and more efficient and yada yada, blah, blah, blah. But... There's no real, like, visual design element or anything. The satellites look pretty much the same. There's some differences in the up, like, yeah, honestly, the upgraded l- solar panels versus the basic solar panels, yeah. but... I was about to say, a lot of these look like the command capsule from the Apollo era. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, there are, are 
tiny visual differences as you upgrade. And maybe the end of the tech tree, there's some stuff that's wildly different than what's at the beginning of the tech tree. But I played it for about 90 minutes. Um, and then I was like, you know what? I'm bored with this. It's not a bad game, but it's not a game for me. So I, I think that's, I haven't checked the reviews. They're mixed. I assume that most of the ones that say that are negative, uh, honestly, no tutorial too, honestly, not enough to do too same. Honestly, this sounds like an early access yeah. candidate, but it's not. Yeah, no, it's a completely released game. Like this feels like a really good proof of concept or maybe even alpha stage, like, Hey, this is what we're going to base our game around. And we've got all the core concepts and ideas working. Now we just need to add the extra things that add the gameplay variety and the depth to it. But there's none of that's there. So it's it's not very good in that respect. Like there's just nothing, nothing to do unless you really, really want to research the whole tech tree. Which, um, it, do you want to research have like the a, entire tech tree? No, it's got a career mode and then it's got a sandbox mode. And the sandbox mode just gives you everything. And you can play with satellites and complete the missions and not have to worry about losing. Because basically you lose if you run out of money or if your reputation, because you like fail too many contracts, drops to zero. You lose under those two conditions. Um, but in the sandbox mode, it, you have an infinite timer for all of the contracts as they pop up. So you can do them if you want or not. It doesn't matter. So I played sandbox mode for a little bit. Um just like to mess with a few things, but I didn't like try exploring the whole tech tree or seeing what there was. I just got bored. So I refunded it. And that's that. And that's all you got to say about that? That's all I have to say about that. Well, while you learned about that, I learned about I programming uh, with Wild True Learn. This is a game that we actually got on the Steam Discovery queue at one point. Yep, and it dropped uh, pretty low in price, uh, right at the five buck range. So I figured, what the hell, I'll grab it uh, on the Steam sale. And it's really interesting. It's a uh, programming a puzzle game. Uh, and it does a few things that are interesting. For one, it's much like one of your patients, very obsessed with cats for some reason. And, and no, I'm not joking about that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to talk about that on air, I don't think, but... Uh, but it, yeah. it's very early in its development, so I have to preface this, uh, that it still has a lot of room to grow. Uh, but it's your pretty much standard, uh, puzzle, uh, programming game, but it does things a little bit differently. Uh, for one, at least in the early stages, I haven't gotten to the machine learning portions of the game yet. Uh, your, uh, the, the puzzle solutions are very recursive based on your older solutions. As in, you can pull algorithms from your previous levels and plug them into uh, the current level to use them as a part for your solution. So you're really encouraged to go back and fix and upgrade and uh, streamline a lot of your old solutions more so than just flat leaderboard uh, cred, you know? And I found that very interesting, you know, a way to make the older levels still relevant. And they have a couple other things. Like I said, this is still very early in development, so I'm giving a little bit of leadway here. They have uh, also a thing where occasionally startups will uh, pop up 
and you could design a algorithm for them. Uh, and uh, the game pretty much is based around sorting different colors and shapes based on the needs of the level. So, for example, uh, you may have to sort uh, out uh, red and blue circles, for example. Uh, send red circles uh, to the uh, uh, end, uh, the end of the uh, level, while the blue circles get discarded into the trash. But and you have to have a certain amount of accuracy to, once again, depending on the level. And that's where the machine learning will eventually come in, where uh, you run your solution multiple times and have to essentially work with how it evolves, which uh, sounds very interesting. I'm actually looking forward to getting that stage of the game. Uh, but based on essentially different switches in the programming, you're able to divert various uh, shapes and colors and uh, patterns into these uh, bins, essentially. And like I said, okay. the, uh, the older solutions are then essentially put in your repository to be able to drop be dropped in to a later puzzle. So let's say the one of the uh, first levels has a sorter where red objects get passed through immediately while uh, any other get discarded. Well, that is used actually somewhat frequently. And that's, uh, yeah, like I said, a very interesting way to handle older puzzles. And as you upgrade, a, there's a tech tree that you could upgrade your computer uh, to be more efficient or uh, run faster or eventually have more server space because also... Uh, you're uh, pushing these algorithms out onto servers and you have to rent the server space. So uh, that's uh, eating into the cost. Uh, the more efficient and the faster your puzzles run or your solutions run, the more money you get back. So efficiency is rewarded in that way as well. So like I said, there's a few very interesting uh, things here. I'm looking forward to seeing how they do it. Uh, or how they evolve it, and also how they handle the machine learning, because the machine learning is uh, a very interesting topic in the real world. Granted, uh, you know, maybe a little soured on it up for uh, due to how Google and uh, Valve has been using it these days with their algorithms, but it's still a very fascinating field. So uh, seeing a game tackle that is uh, refreshing. You know, it's something different that I haven't seen before. And outside of yeah. that, it's you know, a somewhat standard puzzle, uh, uh, programming puzzle game, but there's not a lot of those. There's a few, but uh, not ones that handle it this cleanly. Uh, I do have a few criticisms. Like, uh, for example, it is very easy for your code to essentially look like a spaghetti factory blew up. They don't have a way to really organize things yet. What I'd really love to see is uh, everything is uh, sort of just snapped together. Uh, if you've seen the Kerbal Mission pr uh, Planner, for example, or pretty much any of these uh, programming games, you know how this works, where uh, the different commands, instead of typing them out, are essentially just puzzle pieces that you snap onto the board and you connect them uh, uh, via essentially strings. Well, uh, there, there's no way to really try to organize them or even color code them. So if you're not very careful on your placement of everything, it could be, you know, essentially a spider's web. So I would like to see some sort of organization on that or, you know, even just having it where you could 
like right click and have essentially a circuit board for lack of a better term, but still have the length of the wire not really matter because it has a sort of delay depending on the, uh, on both the uh, command itself and also the subroutine. So like the subroutine that uh, is the red sorter may be very fast because it has only a couple commands in it, but something that's a lot more involved, like sorting uh, colors and shapes all in one little subroutine. Uh, could take a lot longer. So uh, there's that, yeah, and kind of, once again, the focusing on uh, making yourself efficient as possible without having just, you know, leaderboard cred. And I think that's what really impressed me more than anything is uh, having it where you're pushed to be efficient without it dangling a leaderboard in front of you. Yeah. I, I really like the idea of, especially, and you've been, I mean, you mentioned this a couple of times, but recycling the old puzzles. Yeah. That's a really neat idea that I've never seen anywhere before. Yeah, essentially. The, I mean, it might have existed somewhere before. Yeah, essentially. But it, it does. I'm uh, not aware the solution of it. that you uh, produce is saved as a subroutine. And I hope that eventually uh, you're able to build your own custom ones without having to rely on a puzzle uh, solution. Because the boards are fairly small, at least in the beginning. They do have some sort of uh, server thing, being able to switch back and forth. But I'm, uh, I only just unlocked that whenever I stopped playing. So I'm not sure if that's different states of the uh, puzzle or if it's, you know, be able to t- uh, tinker around with the, the different uh, aspects without potentially breaking something to be able to try to uh, make things more efficient without breaking the puzzle. Because the individual puzzles are used as uh, pieces later on, or at least some of them are. Uh, But you also may run into a problem where uh, you're not able to figure out a later puzzle because you weren't as efficient enough in the previous puzzles. So that's a little bit of a trap, potentially, where you have to watch out for that. And it may not be as evident uh, as creating everything uh, completely stock. Granted, it's just a, really a space saver more than anything, as far as I can tell, at least. So you could create everything uh, from scratch, but you would ha- have it a lot more cluttered. But yeah, very interesting game so far. Cool. Well, the next game on my list is another space game. and You're going to discover that's a theme with most of these games I got from Steam. Uh, yeah. Rogue System. Yeah, you were a bit of a space case, weren't you? I was indeed. So Rogue System is a space flight simulator thing in the vein of think like train simulator or something like that. It's trying to be or trying to use real realistic physics and a more realistic idea of what it might be like to pilot a spacecraft. So, for example, when you load and this game's in early access, it's very early access. I think most of the core concepts are are laid out there for piloting and control and stuff. And there's some very basic functionality, like you can do simple cargo trade missions to earn money that can be saved for something to come in the future. Um, And there are a few missions that serve as kind of like the tutorial for the game, where it's like, travel from this place to that place. Or, you know, do this thing but eventually the idea is for it to have like full-blown combat and a campaign and you know etc etc 
Uh, I'm not sure if this game is being made by, like, one guy or a small team, but it's, like, a small team of, like, two or three people. I think there's, like, one guy at the heart, and then occasionally he hires out for things or asks for help from the community for things that he can't do himself. But anyways, the game starts out, you spawn in, and you're floating in your ship because it's not under under any thrust or anything, so there's no um, G-forces being generated. And you make your way over to your pilot's seat, which you sit down in, and then you have to push a button on the seat where it straps you in so that, you know, you don't float away. And then you push another button, and the seat slides over into the active position, and you are faced with multiple consoles with multiple buttons and toggle switches and displays and readouts, and uh, you have to go through the process of starting your ship. It took me 45 minutes to start my reactor for the first time. Um, you have to go through the whole process of pre, like heating up the reactor, priming it, getting all of the coolant systems ready, getting out uh, and at the proper temperature, getting out and spinning the flywheel. Yep, yep. Got to do all that stuff. So You've got to make sure that the. Uh, sorry, I was about to say. Essentially, this is a sci-fi version of Orbiter. Uh, I haven't played Orbiter. Uh, hardcore. Uh, well, at the time, uh, modern, but it's kind of ancient now. Uh, it looks like the most recent versions versions actually a couple of years old, so not that ancient. But uh, let's put it this way: the uh, opening uh, thing on the Orbiter uh, page, uh, fed up with space games that insult your intelligence and violate every law of physics. <laughs> yeah, this sounds about like that. Then, so yeah, you go through this whole process to get the reactor ready, and then you have to. Uh, start the you know once you go through all of that you start the reactor and then it's like okay the reactor's running but none of my power systems are charging and the thrusters won't turn on so then you've got to make sure that you've got all the pressure set right on the your reaction uh engines and your uh, rcs fuel and um, make sure that the engine nozzle is is properly in the proper alignment before you can actually light your fusion engine and or, or your your fusion torch. Uh, don't forget to blow in the cartridge and uh, jiggle it a little bit. And then you, and even with your reactor running, if you don't have the batteries set to uh, charge, you, then you can actually accidentally run your ship's battery dead with the reactor running. And then if you're not really quick to fix that so that your batteries start charging on your ship, you can actually like lose your the the reactor because not all of the systems are directly powered by it a lot of the stuff is powder, powered by the batteries which are charged by the reactor and you've got an emergency fuel cell but in order to get that working right you can accidentally use the fuel cell without charging the batteries like you know there is a system for everything and then the display i haven't didn't even really figure out the display it has six different modes each with different settings there's an actual like radio which you can tune like a million times more in depth and complicated than just like an old classic AM or FM radio. You know, you have different frequencies and bands and transmission strengths. I just think you have to, to worry about I, objects being in your path and transmission delay. It's got, it's really interesting and it's got a lot of promise, but it's still so early. Like there's nothing to do other than mess around in it right now, really. And so after I kind of had everything sort of down, like, okay, I got this. I figured this out. Did you ever figure out what the do cup do? holder? How many buttons does that take? <laughs> 42. As um, it should. 
But once I, you know, once I played around with it enough that I got my reactor working, my battery's charging, the engine online, all of my reaction thrusters and, and reaction wheels set so that I could actually maneuver the ship, I was like, okay, I got all this stuff done. What do I do now? Oh, I can go try and dock at a space station and pick up some cargo and take it to another <laughs> space station? Fuck that. I'm not ready to do that now. I'm not ready for a, a 12-hour committal because this would be like docking in KSP on steroids. With all the no, realism it, mods on. As far as I can tell, there's no automation for any of this stuff. So you have to manually go through this process every time. And sure, like if you do it enough times, you kind of get into a rhythm with it. But I don't think you could get your ship started in less than 15 minutes unless you use the emergency reactor startup for like if you're, you know, for an emergency. But it's like it's got like a red like safety switch over it and the toggle is red. And if you flip it up, there's a warning. It's like and there's a small emergency only. No, there should be, but no, there's not. It's like, use in case of emergency only. May cause catastrophic reactor failure. Ooh, that sounds fun. So, uh, I tried it once and my ship didn't blow up. Well, obviously so you need to try it I... more than once. Yeah, I mean, this is a good a good game to watch. Um, ultimately, I decided to refund it and then put it back on my wish list and follow it. Just because it still needs a lot of work. It's been, like, released into early access since uh, May of 2016. And I had seen some earlier, um, like, alpha builds of this prior. Uh, I believe Scott Manley did a video about this. In, of course he did. 2015 or 2016, back when all you could do was turn on the ship and fly around in space. Um, you couldn't even, like, there were no planets to orbit, no stations to dock at, like, nothing. And at least there's that stuff now, but it's still got a long way to go before it's truly a playable game, but it shows promise and it's a really nice concept, you know, a, a sci-fi simulation. Yeah. As odd as that sounds to say. Yeah, I would say check out Orbiter. Uh, if this type of game intrigues you, but you uh, want to try it out to see how it feels, because if memory serves, Orbiter's just as nuts. Only it's built around uh, real uh, real life spacecraft. Like one of the things I remember is trying to fly the shuttle, which yeah, that ended uh, poorly. Is it on Steam? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, it's free to play though. Oh, okay. All right, I'll I'll give that a shot because yeah, I like this the the idea of this game and the concept behind it, but there's just not enough to do outside of the novelty at this point of going. Ooh, sci-fi simulatory stuff. So yeah, what uh, what's your next game? Okay, well, mine is about as far from uh art uh, from uh simulatory stuff as possible. Road Redemption, essentially the spiritual successor to Road Rash, and this game kind of caught me off guard. I was expecting to go in and play Road Rash. And there was a tag on this that I missed. As a matter of fact, is it even, yeah, it's right there at the bottom. Roguelike. This is Roguelike plus a roguelike. And I was not prepared for that. And I didn't, Interesting. and I didn't realize I wanted that in my life, actually. So essentially, this takes the idea of Road Rash and mixes it with, well, I would say roguelite, not roguelike, because, you know, just splitting hairs here. 
It has the progression system of a roguelite where as you progress through the races, of which it has a few different modes, essentially they fall into a few different categories. Just, you know, get to the end uh, uh, of the race segment, survive, you know, just live long enough, uh, take out so many targets, uh, you know, you get the idea. Uh, you gain money and experience. And you use the money for temporary power-ups, uh, improve your weapons, improve your health, which your health uh, carries over between the different segments, much like a roguelite does uh, on different floors of the dungeon. And you get to uh, a certain point, you die, it's permadeath, that's the end of your run, you take your experience, you unlock a few permanent things, you'll upgrade your weapons, have more health from the start, that sort of thing. And it's a grind, but it actually works really, really, really well with Road Rash. Probably my biggest complaint about Road Rash is they didn't do the metal. They went with more of a techno theme uh, for its music, which, yeah, fine. I could turn on my own metal music, but it works out fairly well. I will say that I, I think the road segments, because this is a roguelike game, so uh, it's a, a chunk-based uh, procedural generation where yeah, it's handcrafted chunks of the level, but they're all kind of just mixed together and jumbled together. Uh, I was noticing that they were u- reusing a lot of segments very quickly, but you also uh, are in the beginning segments quite a bit, at least in the beginning. You do eventually unlock the ability to start l- at later levels, but that may be a double-edged sword because you don't have the power-ups that you've acquired. Or, you know, some of the guns. And I was a little concerned about having firearms in a Road Rash game, but they're essentially temporary power-ups, so it's not that big a deal. And they're also a little hard to hit with. It has a little bit of auto-aim, but not nearly enough to make them overpowered. But yeah, a very, very interesting title. I, I could definitely see why some people were displeased with it, because it is a bit different. And it doesn't really have a storyline. Well, it has a storyline, but, you know, not anything outside of essentially a general framework of, yo, uh, there's this bounty on this guy, go kill him, essentially. Yeah. And also, as you progress through the levels, uh, you unlock different racers, which have different strengths and weaknesses, essentially classes, and also motorcycles, which uh, 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 work uh, sort of with different uh, classes a little bit better. You know, like you have your Harley, which is, uh, slower, but has a little bit of a uh, better top speed, but it also steers a bit better because it's heavier. Uh, so it's able to handle the, has enough weight that it's able to really lean the quarters and doesn't be bounced around as much. Or, you know, your uh, uh, little crotch rockets are a lot faster, that sort of thing. Stop, and yeah. stop thinking about crotch rockets. Not that type. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm too tired to very quickly jump to uh, to that line of thinking. I'd get there, but it's not as instant as normal. Uh, but yeah, it, like I said, it caught me off guard because I wasn't expecting the roguelite aspect. I, I saw uh, you know the game and wanted to pick it up when it was on a decent enough discount, which it was this time around. You know, it's uh, $9.99, so I figured give it a shot, and like I said, it surprised me. Interesting. I, too, was surprised by the next game on my list, uh, Earth Space Colonies. This is a um, space 
or a, a colony management game. Um, is it on Earth? That <laughs> no, it's not on Earth. It's on Earth space colonies. Um, you are the uh, new manager or like project director. No, you're the general for... in the space force. <laughs> I know. If you play the the career mode, you are the new like lead project director on this company's like last ditch effort to save themselves from bankruptcy um, by colonizing several um, bodies in our solar system. Uh, you start on Mars and build a small self-sustaining colony. And the eventual goal, eventual goal is to terraform Mars by the end of the game. Um, well, at least they're not ambitious or anything. Into you know a completely habitable planet where you don't need spacesuits or anything to, to to get around. Well, all you need to do is uh, um, get Arnold's ass to Mars, and it, it, and the campaign does this by allowing you to colonize multiple planets or multiple bodies at the same time. Uh, you have Mars, Ceres, and Ganymede that each serve different purposes. So Mars is is general all purpose and basically supports the other two places um the game sort of walks you through the opening bits and you spend the first hour or so making mars um self-sustaining and then able to send resources to the other two bodies um and then it it opens up and allows you to start going to those other two and uh series is a mining colony where that you get most of the high level resources well, i know to where transport. you spent most of your time uh, to transport back to Mars, and then Ganymede is primarily for scientific research. You can get some special materials there, but you're you're mostly building a, a research base. Um, and there's some sort of like combat aspect that comes in later on in the game. I'm not there yet, but like it says, like even on the the opening thing, it's like play three store campaigns at once, terraform Mars, fight on Ceres, and explore Ganymede. So there's I don't know, some kind of rebel force or pirates or something you have to defend the mining base from, but I haven't I haven't gotten to that part yet. Uh, and I, you know, I was not expecting much from this game. It's not a looker, you know? It doesn't look so good. Uh, and it's certainly not a perfect oh, game. Oh, come by on. Any it, means. it looks amazing for about, oh, 1996, 1997. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it, it's not great looking. I've got a few little issues with it. There's sometimes some some problems with the AI pathing um, because, you know, you have to have or train technicians and they go around and automatically repair your buildings and you train miners and they go out and mine resources, obviously, and a few other things. And sometimes they'll like get stuck um, on the terrain or on buildings or whatever. And usually if you swap locations and come back, it resets the AI and they're okay. But there have been a couple of times where I've had to destroy buildings um so that the engineer could get free uh, because they can't die uh well at least with that normally normally by just like walking around they can't die but once they like pick a building that they're gonna go save repair or whatever no one else can take that none of the other ones can take that and the building can eventually get destroyed because they don't go maintain it because they get stuck yeah i was about to say pretty much the bog standard for the base management where uh, one uh, entity uh, could only uh, handle a job at uh, one time. 
Yeah, you. That's typically not a problem if you space your buildings out a little bit. But the first game that I started, I was like, I'm gonna pack everything as close together as possible, and then I had like three buildings that got destroyed because all of the guys got stuck trying to get to them. So I was like, lesson learned. I'll start over and do a better job next time. Um, the camera angle's a bit wonky. Um, it's it's not your traditional strategy management type camera where you can like freely rotate it and move it around like you can move the camera around and you can rotate it but it's like it's sitting on a a fixed position so you can't actually rotate the camera around 360 degrees which can get a little annoying when you're trying to place things sometimes but other than that i so far haven't ran into any major problems with it granted i've only played it for a couple of hours but i mean for 99 cents which is what it's on sale for right now it's a really in-depth uh, space or management game, and I, I quite I quite like it. And the space theme helps a lot too. Also, the minis are kind of shit. I just I just jumped back to that, but like uh, the thing just went over to the screenshot on the Steam page where it's like showing one of the production menus, and those are really difficult to figure out at first because they're they're shit. They're not designed well. Oh boy, so... I'm looking forward to a future game club uh, if you think that's shit. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, I mean, that's all I really have to say about it. So, yeah. what's your Well, I name? swapped uh, my order to have uh, a segue with my uh, space uh, management game. Oxygen not included. This is Clay's take on the base builder space station uh, game. I haven't spent a lot of time with this, admittedly. But since I have a fair amount, you know, a little bit of hours in uh, RimWorld, I I could see where they're going with this already. Uh, And this has a very different focus than RimWorld, or actually a lot of the base building, town building, whatever you want to call this uh, little genre, uh, that is interesting to me. Most of the base building uh, town builder games that are like this are built around an external threat or, you know, external danger. You know, RimWorld having your, uh, uh, raids, uh, different, uh, external disasters coming in. Sometimes they rain directly onto your base, but I still count that as external. Oxygen not included is pretty much all internal and least of recording because oxygen not included is still in early access. There's no direct combat. As far as I can tell, at least. Uh, it does appear like there may be some, uh, a little combat, but it's not the main focus. Uh, yeah. but a lot of, uh, the game is built around an internal threat, having to deal with your life support, your, uh, oxygen, even though it is actually included in the uh, very beginning of the game. We'll figure that one out. Uh, but all the, uh, uh, gases are actually realistically <laughs> modeled. So if you don't have ventilation, uh, as your, uh, duplicates, which are called dupes, by the way, are, uh, you know, exhale, uh, copper dioxide, they'll actually settle in the bottom of your base. <laughs> so you have to deal with proper ventilation. You have to deal with, uh, waste management, uh, have to deal with water sources. So it's more built around the internal threat of having to build a self-sustaining or at least semi-self-sustaining uh, uh, space station, essentially, because this is uh, essentially this base built in this giant asteroid. 
And it's, like I said, it's very, very interesting. This is made by Clay, so it has their rather distinctive art style. And looking at it, you would probably think pretty much immediately, uh, don't starve. Uh, but yeah, I'm uh, very, very interested in playing some more of this. Uh, about the uh, only thing is that it uh, doesn't have really have bot support yet. So it's pretty much just, you know, as they de- uh, develop it. They have talked about doing some mod support, but right now, only thing out there right now is fan translations. So I'm a little bit leery about that because, you know, th- there's always something you want to change, right? Yeah, there's a, there's always many things I want to change. Uh, but they have a working germ system where uh, uh, dupes uh, uh, will get sick if they, uh, you know, like go to the bathroom and not wash their hands. And they can transmit diseases back and forth. The, like I said, the gas system. Uh, uh, there's various gases that you have to watch out for. So if you mine like ammonia, or you, you know, break into a, a a segment that has ammonia in it, it can flood your station and kill people. And, oh, they also handle one thing really interesting. Probably my one of my biggest complaints about RimWorld and really most of the base building genre is getting dead weight, as in getting a colonist that is absolutely fucking useless. Uh, RimWorld has a very big problem about this. So I've kind of gotten around with uh, with a mod where uh, in uh, RimWorld, uh, there'll be traits. Uh, and that's pretty much standard with this. And uh, various traits could turn on and off various uh, uh, labor. So, you know, uh, a, a, a civilian or a colonist in RimWorld May not like dumb labor, for example, Groove, uh, who uh, uh, they'll refuse to haul, they'll refuse to bury people, that sort of thing. And certain backgrounds and certain traits may make it so that outside of maybe combat or a very limited role, the uh, a colonist may be completely useless. Now, Oxygen Not Include gets around this by whenever it introduces a new dupe. You have a choice of three, or you could just pass on them. So you could look and see, okay, this one is useful in this role, this one's useful in this role, and able to tailor a lot more. I'm not sure if they keep that up throughout the entire game, or if you eventually, you know, like find a, a cryostasis or something. But I was uh, uh, very happy to see something that addressed one of my main complaints about the genre. And they, uh, you know, they also have their traits as well, and uh, usually some sort of foil. And uh, they also have it where, as the dupes get stressed, they'll have uh, the mental break, like in RimWorld. But in this, they have a very state, uh, a set mental break. Like uh, one may be gluttonous, so whenever they are overly stressed, they just start binge eating, or you know, another one may you know just refuse to work, that sort of thing. Which takes a little bit of the randomness out of it, which you know may not be a bad thing with how the game is built around more building life support and a self-sustaining uh, system. But yeah, a very interesting and a very interesting take on the uh, base builder genre. Interesting. I've heard things about this for oh, I guess a couple of years at this point since it released yeah. into early access. Um, I've always been interested in it, but never like enough to commit to it so well, i decided to uh, you know, take the plunge and see how it is and they also uh, uh do uh 
well, I don't want to say Kerbal style, but yeah, the, the same idea of uh, every major update, they have a short animated uh, uh, feature that shows off the uh, major point of the uh, update with a little bit of humor as well. And it's the very clay style of humor, very absurd. Uh, everybody talks uh, uh, with like different woodwind instruments. <laughs> But it's also made me very, very cautious of very particular uh, looking characters because there's the one like idiot character in all of them. <laughs> yeah. Like in one of the more recent uh, videos that shows off the transport tubes, which allows for quick movement of characters. Uh, and by, you know, uh, one of the characters getting stuck in it and just uh, you know, being teleported all over the place. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, yeah, so far enjoying it. Only have uh, yeah, an hour and some change in it, but enough to really see where this is going. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, next on my list is uh, another another space game, X Rebirth, uh, four point three zero. Um. So this was well, is... that your score out of ten. No, it's it's actually a pretty good game. I know the Steam reviews overall are mostly negative. And originally, I mean, initially when this game came out, that was because it was broken as fuck. And Arkham Knight missing, level? Missing, t- I don't know if it was Arkham Knight levels, but I've just heard ever since this game came out that it was horribly broken at the start. Um... Basically, this game was originally designed for consoles. Uh, and I don't think, I don't know if it actually ever came out on console, but they wound up releasing it on PC. And version 1.0 was a mess. And so was version 2.0. And then most guides and things where you go to look at, uh, you know, more updated reviews and stuff, version 3.0 is where the game started to get better. And then version 4.0. And then 4.3, which 4.3 was just an update to the last um, DLC or expansion, uh, which added in pretty much everything else, making it essentially x light. I think is the best way to say this. All of the core stuff from the previous X games, uh, particularly X the X3 trilogy, um, is in the game. But... It's a, a lighter version of all of it. So the story... Th- this is a game that focuses more on the story elements, which the previous games have, but the story is very freeform in the older games, um, where it's just, hey, go here and do a basic thing, and there's just like a text box you read. Um, and maybe every once in a while, someone with some voice acting, and you do very general things. They start out kind of basic go to this area kill a person um or whatever but eventually it's like take over x system in space and that's it and it's like well how do i do that do i do that economically and i buy everything do i build a giant fleet and go destroy all of the stuff there and make it my own collapse the star it's pretty freeform in how you do those things whereas this has got a much more i would say freelancery type of story um although there so far hasn't been a point when it's like hey you need to do a thing go and farm until you reach the level to do i hated that in freelancer 
Yeah, I haven't hit anything like that yet, and I've played this game for about four hours total so far. And yeah, the the main game really revolves around the story. You have a single named ship, which you cannot get out of and control another ship. Um, you more upgrade the ship as opposed to, for example, like previous in the previous games, you know, you could customize the weapons loadout and shields of, and stuff. Where this is more of just a straight up upgrade system, you unlock or can purchase like different equipment for your ship, but uh, it's you you can basically have one of every type of weapon and multiple missiles. Although you could have multiple missiles in the previous game, but there's there's not really any inventory limit on that kind of stuff. Um, you can't use your ship to do trading. You have to have another ship which does trading for you, which was something that was in the other. Uh, X series of games, um, you would get, you know, fleets of trading ships and assign them with trading software, or you could manually control them and send them from station to station to buy and sell wares. That still exists in this. You can still get, have multiple squads of ships following you around. You can still do like carriers that have ships landed on them to, to do, you know, combat duty and stuff like that. Like all of this exists in the game. But it's much more simplified. There's a lot less um, scouting necessary. There's a lot less like, I'm going to set up a satellite in this system so I can keep a constant eye on all of the trade data. Like That's just something that you have access to once you've explored a system now. Um, and then like I said, you know, you can't go from ship to ship. You just have the one ship the whole time. Which it's not a terrible ship, thank God. If it was a terrible ship, I would just be done instantly so did but, you name your good ship the lollipop <laughs> i did not it starts out as being called the albion skunk and you can i mean obviously you can rename it so i renamed it to the careless whisper which is the name of our ship from our star wars rpg campaign um but uh thankfully my playstyle is very much like i'm just gonna sit back and order all of my ships to do everything so the fact that I can't change ships is not a huge deal breaker for me, but there's a huge uh, chunk of freedom that's missing with the ability or the inability to change to a different ship. Um, so all of the stuff that's there from the previous games is just a, a lighter, easier to deal with version. And I'm pretty sure that's because the game was designed to be originally on consoles. Um, there's a few things that it adds to that, a lot of people have problems with, but I kind of like. So now whenever you dock at space stations or with larger, you know, capital class ships, uh, you get out of your ship and you walk around on the station. Um, you have to hire crew to uh, be in charge of larger ships that you have instead of them just sort of being their own AI controlled entities. Um, so you have to get a captain and an engineer and uh, an officer like a, a flight officer at the very least. So is the engineer always Scottish? <laughs> no, no, he's not, unfortunately. Um, but you have to have like those three positions for a capital ship. And then there uh, are additional positions you can fulfill or can fill, which give ships additional roles. Like for example, um, any transport ship can be used to craft a station or not craft to build a space station if you buy an architect and put an architect in one of the free crew slots on a ship, um, all small ships have to have a pilot to fly them. So all of your fighters need pilots. 
you can hire all of these people from space if you don't want to go down to the station. Uh, initially, you had to, but in one of the later patches, they fixed it where you could just basically radio into the station and be like, hey, I want to hire a pilot. And so they'll you know, send a pilot over to your ship, and then you can assign it to one of your other ships. Um, in some cases, I think this is better than the old AI system, and obviously it's just another AI controlled system but they have improved it and the pilots are able to level up their skills in a way that they could not previously in other x games so even if you get a really shitty stupid pilot he'll level up and eventually get better and they have fixed the pathing quite a bit for uh automated controlled ships so they don't crash as much yeah, into the things x games uh, have always had problems with the ai pathing yeah um the other major change they have made is to the way that system or sectors work. Um, now they have regions. Uh, and regions are a collection of systems that instead of all being connected by jump gates are now connected by uh, space or like trader highway lanes. Think of like the... The lanes in it's exactly It's exactly like the trade lanes from Freelancer. Um, but what this does is it makes the systems feel much, much, much larger and much more alive and much more explorable. Um, because instead of basically being, okay, well, I just jumped in from north jump gate. So if I go east a little bit or west a little bit or south a little bit, I'll find the other jump gate. And everything is going to be around these four jump gates in this system. Yeah, but you don't want to go but too far south because, uh, yeah. Things get a little incesty down there. Hey, but instead of that being being the mechanic now, you just uh, there. There's one or two jump gates in a system, and, or in a region, and then you use these uh, trade lanes to get around within the various systems, and it just makes everything feel much more alive. Like you have distances of millions of kilometers and things like that going through the trade lane, and it's possible to go from one side to the other just using, you know, your ship's normal power, but it's going to take a long time. Um, the, the only other thing they've really changed are the way that stations work. Previously, stations were completely modular, um, and you would have to attach, you know, buy one station and then connect it to another station to create a complex. Now complexes are the default, and you have some customization that you can do with them and add additional modules to them. But by default, you know, you'll purchase a, a type of station. So instead of buying like, um, what, what were some of the basic ones? Like there's the wheat uh, station, which takes in energy and then produces Dalaxian wheat, which could be used in products higher up the chain. Now you would buy like a food production station. So it would produce wheat and uh meat steak kahunas which were like cow just you know meat yeah cow meat um and tofu and the other cow you know whatever and then it takes on energy so I, again i think that was part of the console simplification process um but i've not gotten i've not built any stations on my own i've just done what the story has told me to do and basically the story acts like an, an extended tutorial for this game I don't know if I'm going to keep playing after I beat the story, but I do want to beat the story. So, yeah, uh, I don't know. I I think that if you've never played an X 
game before and you want to get into the series, X Rebirth is actually a really good starting point. Um, like I said, understand that the whole mechanic about going into a space station and running around and the whole thing with scanning the space stations, uh, which I didn't mention until just now, that's how you get information about the station. You have like a, a scanner goggle or whatever and you scan the station. It gives you information, um, which is stored in your computer forever, basically. Um, but anyways, aside from those few things, this really is just a simplified version of the other X-Series games. So if you want to learn the basics by playing rather than watching, say, a 10-hour YouTube tutorial series, which is what I did to learn how to play X3. Oh, the short tutorial. Uh, yeah. Um, then this is a pretty good jumping off point. Uh, I mean, on sale, it's eight bucks. Or no, sorry, the collector's edition, which has all of the DLC, which I don't... Nope, I lied. The X Rebirth Complete has all the DLC. Uh, normally it's 50 bucks. It's on sale right now for $13. And I think if you listen to this early enough on Friday, you'll still be able to snag it. Like, if you've ever been interested, but are too daunted by the sheer amount uh, of freedom and information won't. and choices. Oh, they won't be? Uh, Steam sale ends have... Thursday, not Friday. Ah, oh, poop. Maybe I'll post... Nah, I won't, I won't do that. That won't make sense out of context. Just if you ever want to get into the X-Series, like this game goes on sale pretty frequently, honestly. Like I've seen it on sale a couple of times prior to the Steam sale. Um, Just like it, you know randomly throughout the year plus it's on sale during every steam sale if you want a jumping off point this is a really good one yeah but also the other x games are very cheap that's true that's very true i mean how the uh, the x super box is 10 bucks and that has what's in the x that has uh, the first x game x beyond the frontier x2 and the x3 trilogy okay I mean, unless you want to get the whole story, there's no need to play the older games. X3 yeah, well, right uh, now is... Well, even uh, the uh, the X3 gold box is $8.49, so... And that has the uh, trilogy. Yeah. So it just comes down to how do you want to learn how to play? Either trial and error by watching a massively long YouTube series... Or by doing. Or, and if you want to learn by doing, start with Rebirth. It's a great introduction to the series. And then go back and play the X3 series. Specifically, Albion Prelude. Uh, as it's the last one and has everything in it from the X3 uh, trilogy. Yeah, but that's marked as DLC. So you have to have Terran Conflict. You have to have Terran Conflict. So um, I, I would so say... get those two. Yeah, which at that point you're right there at the uh, at the X3 gold box price. Yeah. So. Um. Yeah, I was surprised at how good it was because it has way negative reviews. But uh, maybe a lot this of those maybe are this is a from... a consequence of being an X game, even though it's not really like the others. Yeah. One of these things is not like the so, other. So, uh, which game should I play if I want to just hit a emergency start on my reactor and have my ship blow up? <laughs> Eve Online. 
Yeah, but that's because of some douchebag in my corporation, not uh, me. Yeah, or it, literally any old douchebag. Anywhere. Yeah, and uh, X Four supposed to come out this year. Yeah, yeah, I've been looking forward to that. Uh, granted, I never really played much of the other X games, but I had played a fair amount of them. You know, enough to be able to yeah. fly around and do things. Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to X Four. I really hope it's not bad. Uh, and but if it is bad. I'll just play Albion Prelude with mods this time. I've never actually played a modded game of Albion X3. Yeah, uh, one other I thing. I have to know, anybody else, whenever you said X Games, uh, I uh, went back to the ESPN X Games. Yeah, I I had that thought in my head as I was saying it, but I was like, eh, you kept saying it, fine. you know? And and I yeah. just remember watching the street luge and watching people wreck and yeah having all sorts of fun uh, early in the morning because it was West Coast uh, games and yeah now I'm pretty sure it was uh, shown on delay as well back in the late 90s early 2000s that's something I've actually done I think about I'm shocked it hasn't really been in uh, video games street luge you know strap uh, lay down on a board and uh, go down a stupidly steep hill. It's a VR game, that's that, but that's the only one that I know of. Oh, because, yeah, you don't want to shit yourself uh, and play VR, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, so next on your yeah, list. Yeah, so uh, a completely related game that's exactly like X Rebirth, Snake Pass. Oh, wait, no, it's uh, not like X Rebirth at all. It actually has some uh, very good reviews for one. Stink Pass is a very interesting jumpless uh, puzzle platformer that uh, has been uh, that's intrigued me for quite a while, and it finally went on a deep enough discount for me to pick it up. It's actually a fairly expensive game for what it is. Uh, you play as a snake called Noodle with his buddy Doodle, a hummingbird, and. You have to, well, I'm only a few levels in, so I don't have a lot of the story yet. But the gates that uh, allow you to travel between uh, essentially areas in this world have been uh, closed, and you have to get the various keystones in order to reopen them to progress to the next level. Very, you know, standard puzzle platformer. But the main thing about this is that Snake Pass, you're playing a snake. And, well, outside a dwarf fortress, snakes can't jump or kick. So, in order to traverse the terrain, you have to wind yourself around stuff. You have to uh, climb. You have to do some, actually, somewhat uh, precision uh, slithering. And it's a very interesting take on the puzzle platformer genre. Yeah, it's very rare that you have a jumpless platformer. And I just found it very interesting and actually plays very well, at least in the opening levels. It's one of those games that it's very different, but once you start to get the feel for it, it uh, you pick it up very quickly. I will say that yeah. uh, probably my biggest problem with it, and this is pretty much standard for most of the third-person uh, puzzle platformers, is the camera can sometimes be uh, yo, your greatest enemy. And it's made worse by you have uh, essentially your uh, flying companion, you know, uh, that sometimes helps you depending on the uh, puzzle. And I had a couple times where Doodle would 
be flying in between me and the camera and just sitting there blocking my view. And it's a little irritating at times. But that's yeah. like my main complaint. And I'm not sure what all the collectibles are. There's a lot of collectibles uh, on each level. There's, uh, I want to say something like 30-ish bubble things and there's five coins. But those haven't really, really come into play. I'm not sure if they unlock anything or if they're just, you know, the original Assassin's Creed, uh, yeah, bragging rights, uh, collectible style. But yeah, interesting, uh, puzzle platformer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I talked about it several weeks ago. Um, and we, I, King and I and Katie still play it. Um, we're, I, I think there's 12 levels total and we've made it to level 10. Um, and I let most they, the two of them do most of the playing, and I just help when they need me to. Um, I mean, it's a game that's aimed at kids, and most of the puzzles to actually, or you know, the platforming to beat the levels is doable by kids. To get the the challenging or the challenging collecting all of the collectibles is where it gets really challenging. Um, there's some stuff that it's like Jesus, how do I? make that little snake wriggle the right yeah. way just so I hit the thing, but don't fall off the cliff and die. And so, I mean, it, it still holds up and I still enjoy playing it. So it's, it's a great platformer. Yeah. My... And they do use, they, they do continue to find new and interesting ways to use the fact that you're a snake. Okay. I was about to say, um, I was a little, to their I was a little concerned that, you know, it uh, would uh, outstay its welcome that, you know, it's gimmick, uh, doesn't really, tr- uh, translate very well for uh, the throughout the entire game but sounds like it does yeah the first three or four levels are pretty basic yeah take it pretty are pretty basic and then after that it starts to get noticeably more difficult on each level when they start adding spikes uh, is a lot it starts to get really tough because then you have to be extra careful because if you touch the spikes um, if you just flat out fall on the spikes you die but if you just like sort of glance them with your tail, sometimes you can live and hit the spikes a couple of times. And it's like, Jesus, I just hit the spikes. I have to be really careful because if I hit him again, Noodle's going to die. And I'm going to have to restart, you know, from and also, restart trying to get to this whole area. And also Noodle is adorable. Noodle is adorable. And so is Doodle. Yeah, but Doodle got in my way one too many times for me to th- find him adorable. So Noodle. <laughs> yeah, uh, definitely Noodle. Yeah, and d- all the way. Does this... Um, I mean, Kyle has to have this game to fulfill his uh, lease. I think so. Kyle, you have to own this game to fulfill the your lease agreement. Sorry, bud. Um. So, yeah, next game on my list, we're going to take a break from space games for a minute. But don't worry, they'll be back. Uh, and we're going to talk about Tiny Rails. So, Tiny Rails is an interesting little mix of a, a mobile game and a and a PC game. It initially released as a clicker style or idle style mobile game where that you um, managed a train and send it around. You could control its basic route around the United States and then Europe and Asia as they developed and opened up the game some more. Um, and it was basically a, a, like a collection style game where you collected uh train cars and train engines and you could customize the train you know to visually be appealing but really there wasn't much to it um they've they added more and more stuff to the mobile game over time uh like little missions and community events and stuff like that 
Um, but then it was last year. Yeah, last year, August eighth, uh, twenty seventeen. They brought the the mobile game to PC, and it launched initially as an early access title. It's in uh, full release now. Um, and I've had my eye on it for a long time. I enjoyed the the mobile game. Um, it was a nice you know idle game to to play on my phone, but. I always wanted there to be more to the game, and they have made some changes and improved some things uh, for the PC release. So right off the bat, there's no more premium currency. Woo! It's all just it's all just the the standard coin that you can get in the game for delivering cargo and passengers. Yeah, you know, the AAA um, gaming and, industry could really learn from that one. Indeed, there is a special, I guess, currency you could say, but it's like. You get it for completing the events, so it's like a mission-based thing, and you can't buy it. It's, you know, like, you can't spend real money inside the game. Like, it's actually a genuine, like, reward item for completing the mission. Uh, and most of the time, you just get straight up, like, special uh, train stuff. Or not special stuff, I mean, you can get it regardless, but, you know, that's how you unlock some of the rarest, most, you know, unique train cars and things is by completing the the challenges and the missions in the game. The basic game is still what it is on mobile. Um, it's, it's more of an idle game. You set up your train's route and send it off. But if you want to actively play, uh, number one, all of the journeys go faster by default than they do on mobile. The, the mobile game limits your train speed uh, unless you spend either premium currency or uh, invest in the special characters like the engineer for example who can increase the speed of your train which you get all of those people by default in the pc version like you have still have to spend a portion of your earned coins to activate them but they're not tied to a premium currency and they're also not timed to a timer just for as long as you want to keep them on they get a portion like it, it costs a portion of the money that you would otherwise be getting um and uh one of them like completely balances that out basically the accountant once you level him up by completing a couple of his missions uh his passive ability basically lets you activate one at least one of them for free and as it levels up i think you can essentially activate uh all of the the other characters for free like there's an engineer there's uh a guy that's i forget what his his thing is but there's stuff that can like fall down over the track that slows down your train or whatever, and he automatically clears those if you have them activated. Oh, is the cow catcher? Sure. Um, there's also like maintenance you have to do on the train, but that can be taken care of automatically by activating uh, the maintenance person. So, and this is all stuff that you pay premium currency for on the mobile version, which is you know you can just turn them on and they take a small portion of your earnings. So. It, you know, it comes down to, like, if you want to more actively play the game, you can progress faster. And if you want to more passively play the game and play it much more like an idle type of game, then your progress is a little bit slower. The active missions involve transporting cargo or passengers to a certain place within a certain time limit. So you have to manage and, like, actively look at various stations and be like, okay, uh, I'm likely to be able to get steel from Detroit, for example. Uh, because this is fantasy Detroit, and it's not completely destroyed. Now, uh, is there a tariff on that? <laughs> oh, I, 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 I could hear that eye twitch. 
Yep. So, um, you know, so it's like I'm more likely to be able to get steel from Detroit. So I'll go to Detroit, pick up a load of steel, and carry it back to, I don't know, Boston for this challenge. And then doing so earns you either the reward tickets or whatever the mission reward is. Um, and so you can do those within just a few minutes. So it's not completely an active game, but it's less passive than just a completely idle style game if you choose to play it that way. Um, that's, there, there is a storyline to it that, you know, progresses you through and unlocks the different areas of the map. Train customization, um, is probably the most important thing though, because you can tweak your train with various, uh, engines. Although in the PC version, the engines don't offer any bonuses. It's basically they're maxed out or they're not maxed out, but they're all treated equally in the mobile version. Different engines do different things unless you pay premium currency, uh, for, you know, the, air quotes premium version or of the engines which basically <laughs> removes any differences from them they all behave at like a maximum level train engine so the you can have any engine you want and then the customization comes more from the different uh cars and coaches you choose uh, and you can go for a theme like you can do an all wild west saloon type theme or an all um not you know 50s or 60s retro theme or you can do like uh, there's a theme that feels pretty close to like Mad Max I think that's what they were going for you can do like Candyland like there's fun ones and they each do different things and affect the stats of your train as a whole so does the Candyland uh, give everybody diabetes uh, it gives everyone happiness through like extra luxury food and sweets and diabetes so yeah it gives every it gives everybody diabetes um a lot of the cosmetic or a lot of the train customization comes down to cosmetics. Like you can find a train coach that does um, pretty much what you want it to and then looks the way you want it to. But I like to theme stuff as much as possible because I'm, I'm a little bit uh, OCD about that sort of thing. But in the beginning, it's just like, what's going to give me the most stats until I earn enough money to buy a bunch of the train cars? I don't think you can get duplicates either. In the mobile version, you can get duplicates. Like, there's a little bitty, like, uh, can or not candy, but, like, what are they called? You can see it on one of the screenshots. Like, you, you in real life, you put the quarters in them, and you spin the gotcha. dial, and the little thing. Is that what they're well, called? Well, a gotcha machine? Well, that's the Japanese, essentially, version of it. Uh, well. Where uh, you crack it open, you have a random uh, uh, trinket. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, that's that, essentially... I mean, that's, uh, what the uh at least the mobile market is uh, accepted as the the randomization thing is gotchas which yeah uh, i've actually i actually played a, a game this week i didn't play enough to be able to talk about it but pretty much immediately turned it off because it was a okay third person shooter and it had the word gotcha on the store page and the guns were uh, all rentals so yeah gotcha gotcha yeah gotcha gotcha so yeah that's what it is but you can't get duplicates per se like whenever you go look at the list of all the train cars it'll tell you how many you can acquire and once you hit the maximum number acquirable you can't get any more of that one so basically it makes out an entire train set for each thing like you might be able to get three coaches of the same type but once you get those three then you won't get any more of those. 
And in the mobile version, you can get an infinite number of them. And then the ones that you don't want, you can turn into coins. But it's not as much as it costs you to, you know, turn the, the dial on the, the gotcha thing. Gotcha. And, you know, the price in coins goes up every time you want to get one of these things. But it's pretty gradual. And with no premium currency requirements, you can just go directly to the rare ones. So you can start out with a whole bunch of rare things and speed your early game progress. And, I mean, I, I basically have infinite money at this point. So I'm just doing the story line and completing the challenges and completing my uh, my train car collection. Again, this is another idle game that I have running on my computer when I'm at work. Um, I haven't the last couple of days because I haven't had a chance to look at my computer or do anything that wasn't therapy notes related. But, uh, you know, on a normal day, I'll run this for a while. And I mean, it's you could run this game on a potato. It doesn't even stress my laptop out at all. And it runs at a nice, smooth 60 FPS, so... It's it's a lot of fun, but it's uh, it's still... Overall, I'd say it's probably two-thirds idle game, one-third active game. But the fact that there's no... Like, none of the mobile bullshit carried over. They turned it into a, a real PC game. So the PC tax actually makes sense here. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely the PC tax is definitely worth it. I mean, I, I bought it on sale for seven bucks. It's normally ten. I would I would say it's worth ten bucks. Um, but you know, if you're patient and you want to wait for a sale, it's that's you know that's good too. Uh, so my turn. Yep, your turn. Okay, so this is one that I actually played today. Uh, golf with friends, which in this case, golf with friend. Hi, Kyle. This is a mini golf game and it's interesting. It's in early access and it's definitely, uh, needs some work where it's the mini golf uh, game where, yeah, it's random bullshit and a lot of memorization. There's definitely, uh, courses that there's no way for you to do well without knowing the course, which is a bit irritating and, because this is more focused on multiplayer or golfing with your friends, there's always that one in the group that, you know, no likes a game and memorizes everything, which makes me think that this may be a bit of a problem for this game. Uh, to give you an example, there's a, a couple courses where at a particular hole, you have to do essentially a blind shot because, I, well, I found out later that you can do a free camera, but you have an extremely limited amount of time to be able to take your, well, well, maximum of 14 shots. So, yeah, still pure memorization is pretty much key here. Where uh, you have to do a essentially a blind shot or be able to hit a very precise angle and a very precise power of a shot to be able to make things bounce around to uh, land either on in or near the hole. And this is, you know, mini golf. So, you know, it has your windmills. It has your, uh, uh, well, uh, in this case, sphinxes and all sorts of random ass <laughs> obstacles. I will say that the last hole on the few courses that me and Kyle played uh, feels almost like an equalizer where it's more based around pure luck than actual skill, which... Not sure how I feel about that. And I also had a couple times where the game kind of screwed me. There was one time that 
uh, we were on the haunted house level. And uh, during one of the long jumps, it has this uh, uh, power arrow that, you know, slings your uh, ball. And you have to make a fairly long jump with that. Well, you're going past uh, morgue slabs, you know, uh, the refrigerator slabs come out and, you know, there's a body that's covered up with a sheet. Well, I did some sort of weird bounce and actually went into the refrigerator and it didn't count me out of bounds. But because of the angle that I was in there, I had no way to escape. So I took a 14 stroke uh, penalty on that, essentially, because the game screwed me. So, yeah, very much early access. There's a few levels that if you're looking at it at a very particular angle and distance, uh, the world kind of flickers. It's like it's wanting to load a lower uh, uh, level of detail, but it doesn't have that installed, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Which makes a few shots a little bit more interesting than they should be. Overall, though, I did have fun with it, but that may be just, you know, uh, yeah, Kyle's wackiness. Yeah, Kyle's definitely wacky. Yeah. <laughs> definitely, definitely wacky. But okay. overall, it's not a bad game. It's just, a yeah, a, I'm a little concerned about just how much on uh, memorization it is. And does say it has other game modes, but we didn't play that. We just played the regular golf mode. And they have uh, seven different courses right now with 18 holes each. So, you know, you can do the math there. Or just read the store page where it says 128 holes. You know, like a uh, slice of Swiss cheese. Mm, Swiss cheese. And also one thing that's kind of nice is that uh, it's not turn-based. Uh, uh, you're not having to sit around and wait. Uh, everybody goes at once and it has uh, the ghost system. You know, uh, you're able to see other people, but you don't interact directly with them, uh, which yeah. can be a problem with some golf games, and particularly uh, with a mini golf game where timing is a big problem. Uh, it could uh, add to that as well. So, yeah, that's a nice system and up to 12-player uh, multiplayer. So, yeah, overall, it's not bad. It's just, yeah, it needs some more cooking. You're making me hungry. So, my next game is Lightspeed Frontier. Think Robocraft, but with spaceships. Uh, well, I say Robocraft, but just like the vehicle crafting aspect. Um, and then with spaceships in an open world sci-fi uh, RPG type setting. Um, there's no... This game's in early access. There's no story mode. But you can still randomly generate, or it still randomly generates a galaxy for you. Um, and you go through a training mission, which gives you all of the basics for your first ship. And then you can go and freely accept random missions or just randomly chase down pirates or traders or whatever uh, and work on crafting your ship. Um, it, it's pretty basic, but it's a lot of fun. Um, They've got a few systems that I'm not sure how much I like them. Like, they do have a fuel system, so you have to manage the risk and versus reward of how big you're going to make your ship, because the bigger you make your ship, the more fuel it takes. But if you're using a lighter class of ship, like a gunship frame, or uh, and when I say frame, it's just basically determined by the type of cockpit that you use to start your ship build. So if you're using, like, a gunship frame, you can't put as many parts 
on your ship as you can with say the destroyer or the cruiser frame so if you're going to make it really big you're going to need fuel to get around but you have less armor to protect your fuel so if your fuel gets blown up then well you're dead um but there's not really a ton to say about it i, I played it for a little bit uh, about an hour got through the tutorial did a couple of simple like ship builds and stuff like that um but with no campaign, no storyline, just running around in the sandbox and attacking spaceships and stealing their pieces to build my spaceship bigger is is about all that there is to it. It's fun. This system is really simple and easy to use. Uh, there's nothing really complicated about it. The weapon types are simple and easy to understand. Um, you can set up automated turrets if you're on a larger ship so you don't have to worry about controlling everything all at once um and so you can attack multiple enemies at once and stuff like that but uh it, it seems like there it's a good base a really good base um i haven't unlocked all of the parts yet i haven't gotten any of the really large ship frame pieces yet so the biggest ship that i have access to is a destroyer frame which can still get pretty big and mount a lot of weapons effectively um but I think I just got lucky with finding that because I've only seen one outside of the tutorial. And I, it just so happened to be like in the perfect place where I could detonate uh, a nebula and blow it up and then steal the... You make that sound so uh, mundane. Oh, I just blew up a nebula. Uh, nebula. I, just, I just blew up a nebula, you know. Like you do. I, I, blew up, I blew up one on myself once and killed myself and had to start over. So you have to have to be uh, careful. Permadeath? No, not permadeath. Um, you can just respawn with your last ship configuration at the last space station that you were at, and everything that you had, uh, you get to keep, as far as I can tell. I don't know if there's actually a way for all of your pieces to get blown up, but the way that it works in this, the, actually, I this might have happened. I hadn't noticed it. Whenever you collect a piece for the first time, it becomes purchasable from any space station. And whenever you respawn, you can choose to just load your last ship design. And it pulls parts from your inventory. And it might also purchase any parts that you don't have. If you have the money for it. Which, it gives you quite a bit of starting money. There's nothing really in that you can spend it on except to purchase pieces that you've already unlocked. But... It, it's a good game, but it, it does need to cook some more. But I haven't refunded this one. I'm going to keep it and mess around in it because I like stuff like this a lot. So even though there's not a full system to Put it, it in the crock pot, let it that, slow cook. Yeah. Throw some veggies in, a little bit, a bit of beef stock. Then you got a stew going. Hunger and my hunger intensifies. <laughs> okay, well, my final game has my name written all over it. Rage. Yes, it does. Uh, this is actually the replacement for SteamWorld Dig 2. I finally figured that one out. And I would have had this uh, going last week, but I had a couple of things going on. One, needed to get uh, Fallout New Vegas up and running, and that actually took a little bit. And two, this game is a fucking mess of a port. Let's put it this way. This game is running the most launch options I've ever run in a Steam game. Just to get it acceptable. Okay. 
I'm running a dozen different launch options to change uh, how it's handling the uh, the graphics uh, uh, threading, to change the FOV from a very nauseating, I would say, approximately 70, 75 to 90, 95. Uh to make it so that it's not, uh, it has a bigger cache, so it's not streaming nearly as much of the textures. Because uh, those who don't know Rage, uh, one of the most rage-inducing things about this is how they handled the graphics in this game. Uh, it was uh, actually groundbreaking for its time. It did a lot more of the texture streaming, not just yeah, loading into the level, and that was it, but. It would load it to a cache and would uh, pull from it uh, as the player turned, which is good in theory. And yeah, you know, I think it's become pretty much the standard, but they handled it very, very, very poorly to the point where there's a hell of a lot of texture pop in. And with modern hardware, you're able to get around that mostly. There's still a little bit of pop-in whenever you're turning very quickly, but it's not nearly as noticeable. I mean, it it goes from, like, PlayStation 1 era textures up to yeah, modern for the time in, like, a split second. Uh, that's how, you know, from going from the low-res textures to the high-res, that's how big a jump it is. It's just absurd that they launched it in that state. At least on PC. I'm not sure how it handled on the consoles. Uh, but yeah, turning off the mouse acceleration because that's not a fucking launch option. Or a fucking option in the game. There has to be a launch option. Uh, just also, And also make it so that the game uh, doesn't have uh, huge mouse acceleration in the menus as well. Because that's another thing. Ugh. But finally was able to get it working well enough. And it's actually... Once you get past the mountain of technical issues, at least in the beginning, it's a somewhat decent uh, first-person shooter. It wants to paint itself as an open-world shooter, you know, uh, sort of Mad Max-ish, even though this was released several years before the latest Mad Max game. Uh, With a lot of vehicular combat, a lot of uh, going in between uh, missions with... uh, uh, enemies there and you know a lot of almost uh pseudo horror uh a couple jump scares a couple you know really really spooky shit going on uh but it doesn't do it quite all that well and now i understand why they've made such a big deal about rage 2 being open world uh, with no loading screens because there's a lot of loading in this <laughs> oh i i, I it's definitely you know, after playing this for a few hours and testing and making sure that I actually records somewhat well with my mountain of uh, uh, modifications to it, I, the trailer starts to make a lot more sense. Granted, the long uh, musical number that they did to announce this game with the guy in the very tight pants still has no, uh, you know, no clue what's going on there. But eh. and uh, in the uh, almost. I don't want to call it Bethesda, like, because, you know, this is id software that developed it. Bethesda just uh, published it. Uh, they have a fair amount of mini games. They have racing in this game, even though, uh, you know, once again, rubber banding is a thing, but, uh, some, uh, combative racing, some just pure racing. Uh, there's a, some sort of card game that's also in this game that I didn't unlock in my playtesting. 
there's essentially a dice rolling game and uh, there's a ability to really save scum this to build up your money. And they want to do this sort of uh, survival thing, but everything's based around your money, including your ammo. You do get, or you are able to loot ammo, but you're not getting enough to really sustain yourself because at least a few of the enemy types are a little bit more bullet spongy than what you would think a guy without a shirt running at you would be. But then you have this swing stick, uh, essentially, uh, think of it as, uh, Captain America's, uh, shield. You're able to throw it and, uh, pretty much instant kill anything, uh, on the low end of the grunt scale or deal some massive damage to anything higher. But it also has a chance to break, so you have to, you know, craft them out in those. There's a lot of money sinks I'm able to see in this game already. Which makes me think that there's going to be a little bit of off-screen grinding for some money. Or save scumming. Most likely save scumming and, and uh, off-screen grinding. Uh, but, yeah. Overall, you know, it's not a bad game. But playing it so far, it makes me wonder who th- and Bethesda loved this game so much to, for it to warrant a sequel. And uh, uh, story-wise, uh, you're... Okay, essentially you're in a vault, all right? For lack of a better term, you're... Uh, uh, giant asteroids coming to hit Earth. For some reason, it plows through the moon. Figure that one out. Uh, I'm sure that pissed off Neil deGrasse Tyson because you had this long shot of it just digging this giant trench across the moon. Uh, you know, and it not losing really any speed. Uh, but... Uh, Essentially, humanity figures out, oh, we're doomed. So they bury people uh, in these Atlas facilities and uh, cryogenically freeze them. And for some reason, which isn't really explained in the beginning, uh, you're woken up with your vault being disturbed and you're the only survivor in your vault. Everyone else's uh, cryo chambers have been either compromised or open. And you're sent off on your own, and you're immediately almost captured, and you're saved by a local uh, uh, leader of the uh, settlement that you go run uh, missions for him, and you get a car and start dicking, uh, uh, dicking around and decking out your weapons. Uh, but gameplay, it's not bad. It's just kind of, eh, I would say, on the upper end of mediocre. So far, it hasn't done anything really amazing, but I want to see where they go with this. So that's uh, why I'm uh, planning on playing it. Uh, and they also have a interesting ammo system where all the guns have multiple ammo types. Like the pistol, uh, for some reason, you're able to shove bigger bullets into it, but instead of you know, it just dealing more damage, it, uh, each bullet takes two slots in the clip. Which, figure that one out. You're putting twice as big a bullets in and it's still somehow able to shoot them? Magic. Well, you do have a defibrillator that you're able to bring yourself back to life with, so... Maybe. <laughs> uh, and it's actually an interesting mechanic where... Uh, it, whenever you die, and believe me, you will at ver- the very beginning because you don't have a lot of ammo. And things are... Actually, somewhat bullet spongy in the very beginning. Uh, when you die, you'll actually hear the people uh, starting to loot you. And then you, you defib to bring yourself back to life. And depending on how you do on the little mini game, uh, you come back with a certain percentage of your health. 
but you also zap anyone that's close by, you know, like they were looting you and your defibrillator went off. Uh, that's yeah, it's a, yeah, it's like an interesting that. little mechanic and it has a long cooldown to, so you can only do it once every so often, but you know, it's interesting that they did it like that. And I could see little moments of, you know, interesting mechanics like that. Yeah, you know, having the uh, various ammo types, for example, even though some of it doesn't really make sense. But, you know, trying to make uh, guns that you get in the very beginning still relevant, like having essentially uh, many nukes and uh, your pistol. Yeah, you know, that sort of thing. Something that deals a hell of a lot of damage, but you can only have a few in the clip at the time. Uh, first boss fight that I encountered is kind of a pain in the ass because you have a, a lot of ducking and weaving to be able to shoot him. Uh, but not too bullet spongy. Uh, I mean, he is a bullet sponge, but not nearly as much as I would expect. Not the Borderlands level, at least. Which, yo, that's a hot bar anyway. Uh, probably my other big complaint so far is the game is very, very talky, but nobody's been very interesting yet and it's the type of talkie where you have to sit and listen to them then you can interact with them and well, so you can't skip it well you can skip it but it involves going to the person triggering the uh talkie bits walking a far enough away that they stop talking and then coming back so technically you can but it makes absolutely no sense it's got, uh... It's mixed reviews overall, but... Or, or sorry, uh, mostly positive with mixed reviews recently. And I can definitely see why mixed reviews, especially if you don't spend, I would say, a good hour or two uh, doing some severe tweaks to this game. Because even on modern hardware, this is a a seven-year-old game, almost. And it still has that extreme texture pop in. Which it makes absolutely no sense. Yeah. That, uh... That's no way now. I mean, it is flexible for the most part. But it requires a lot more work than I think most people are willing to give it. And I'm not sure if it's a game that really warrants it. But I guess I'll be finding out. I'm planning on recording it this week and to start it next week on the channel. And you can find that over at Gaming with Caffeine Rage. Ding! Look forward to hearing you uh, talk more about that. I almost bought Rage, but wait, why are you trying to in buy? In the me? end, I didn't. Well, I just like you so much. I want to keep you. Oh, you know, forever. And it's also dirt cheap right now, but I bought it ages ago uh, to uh, to yeah. play. But I'm pretty sure I got it at about the same price point. It's just uh, I tried to play it before, but it just required a lot more work than I wanted to put in it in it at the time. But, you know, this should keep me out of trouble for at least a little bit. For uh, a few minutes. Yeah, before I start raging. Hey-o. Alrighty. Well, the next game on my list... That was your last one, right? So, next game on my list is uh, Battletech. We're having some more modding adventures. So, everything's... (laughs) Everything I've done is broken and doesn't work, and I have to start over. Um, the 1.1 update uh, rebalanced all of the energy weapons um, and, and made many other tweaks and changes to the game. So one of the things that I had modded, which did really simple stuff, 
um, changing like how much contracts pay out based on our skull rating, changing how much different things cost on your ship for like the ship maintenance or the base pay rate before it hits all the multipliers for, you know, your mech warriors and stuff like that. Um, and some things I tweaked to be a little bit easier. Some things I tweaked to be a little bit harder, like, you know, in terms of costs and things like that. Um, and they added default options for all of that in the game now. So you can and customize. And you're like, like, well, fuck. You can, yeah. And all of my, all of the things that I, I had set up screw with the in-game settings now for that so i've currently got it disabled i'm still using the um the mod that rebalances the skull ratings for all of the planets and the mod that disables the milestones for completing the story missions because i started a new campaign after the update um and that still works fine but you don't i think you don't really need the planet rebalance anymore because you can just in the straight up options you can um choose to have higher planet variety or planet skull difficulty uh, variants. And they also increase that by default anyways before you even touch that option. So I'm not sure that mod's needed anymore, but I'm still running it just to be on the safe side, um, you know, with what I'm used to and what I've been doing. Um, the weapon rebalance has been pretty good. Uh, I like a lot of the changes that they made. It basically all it did was um reduce the heat for almost every energy weapon making energy builds more viable but also now. Uh, made stability a less of a uh, big deal for bigger mechs uh, uh yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, essentially uh, bigger mechs uh, have more essentially inertia uh so they yeah. have a higher threshold on their stability but on the flip side it takes them a bit longer to recover their stability without bracing yeah, um, and then light mechs now have additional permanent evasion. Uh, I believe it was two additional evasion points all the time. So light mechs are a little more viable um, in the late game anyways now without having to have uh, mods running. It still generally seems more beneficial to use bulwark versus relying on evasion to avoid damage altogether. But that distinction is now a little bit less. It feels much more like a choice. As opposed to, like, once you hit a three skull rating or higher, you probably shouldn't bring any light mechs. Um, but but it, it does make light mech gameplay more viable now, up until about three or even three and a half stars. As long as you're not going all light mechs, you'll probably still get shredded if you go all light mechs on a, a higher, mid to higher Unless you're uh, absolutely godlike. But the additional stability uh, for the heavier mechs makes uh, LRM builds less effective in the way that most people were using them basically to just knock down every mech every turn for infinite called shots on down mechs um that's a lot more difficult to do on all mech classes now um, well i was just giving a sh uh shaken pallet syndrome <laughs> i still use quite a few uh or at least one support mech for every mission sometimes two depending on what the mission is uh but my intent was never to knock down mechs. I use it for, um, like, that was always a nice benefit, but I would use it more to just do indirect fire support um, and assist the my sort of lead mechs. But that's a lot more what LRM builds are now for, is basically just indirect fire support. 
Um, but it the weapon rebalance mod that I was putting together, not only did they re their rebalance do a pretty good job with the energy weapons, but whatever they changed in the update, something on those files that I haven't figured out what it is yet. Like if I try and use my mod, the mech bay won't load. So I can't modify any mechs if I'm running my own rebalance oh, mod where mode. I change the stats on the weapons. So I, I can't go into the mech bay and change anything. Um, I, ha I restarted some of what I was doing. Like I went back in and I tweaked the ammo. And I had to retweak the ammo and retweak all of the values on the um, the lost tech weapons to put them back in the store now where that I can purchase them. They're pretty rare, but they do, you know, all of the lost tech weapons and equipment now show up in the store in my game. And I mean, it's been that way for a while, but fixing that was pretty easy. But yeah, uh, I couldn't load the mech bay. One of the other mods that I was working on, rebalancing some of the mechs, just sort of experimenting with that, uh, completely crashed the game. So I had to reset to the, uh, or just, you know, re-verify the game files via Steam so it would re-download the original files the first time I did that. Because I wasn't thinking, like, I just was like, okay, I'll just do this and it'll be fine. Nope, game crashed and I don't have a backup of the new, uh, the new update, so I have to fix it. And I had fixed some of the things that were broken and then they released update 1.1.1 <laughs> to fix some things that they broke because they doubled the hit chance for headshots. Uh, but it was, it was, it was a bug. Uh, so it was showing, it would show 5%, but it was actually a 10% chance for a headshot. And I, I wasn't sure because I noticed more frequent headshots during this time period. And I was like, I don't know if I'm getting lucky or what, but it turns out, yes, they had accidentally, uh, as a bug of what they had done, headshots were now twice as likely to happen. But yeah, just this whole thing, like I've always had a respect for modders, but I have an even greater respect for modders because I'm just doing a lot of simple stuff, editing, um, mostly just editing text files, essentially, to change the values of what items do in the game. And I'm running into many problems with that. So I can't imagine, you know, what it must be like to completely write new mods or go in and completely fix an entire game. Uh, like some of the modders have done for like Dark Souls. Well, I was about to say so, pretty much any Bethesda modder ever. Yeah, pretty much any Bethesda. Like my respect for them is now even greater than it was before because I'm struggling with just what I feel like should be a pretty simple, some pretty simple stuff. But I still enjoy it. It's still a lot of fun to mess with that stuff. And I'm like, oh, great. What did I break now? But at the same time, I'm going, and how can I fix it? See, I'm playing programming games. You're playing programming. <laughs> yeah, it's it's enjoyable. Uh, next game on my list. These three should go pretty quick. I have three more, but they should all go pretty quick. The next game on my list, Space Explorers, is a schlocky, booby, kinetic slash visual novel. Where everybody is uh, completely coded in Vaseline. Yep, they're all completely, like, they're, it, it just looks like they're dripping wet and coated in Vaseline. And naked for some reason. But this game is a complete lie. There are screenshots that aren't actually, like, screenshots on the page that aren't actually in the game. Um, I mean, the whole reason I bought this was I had, like, one, with my initial Steam 
store per or Steam sale purchase, I had, I don't know, 60 or 70 cents left. And I'm like, I wonder if there's a game I can get and just like cram it in there to take up, you know, the full hundred bucks for my Steam account that I was going to spend. And Space Explorers is 49 cents on Steam right now. Um, and I was like, sure, why not? Schlocky, boobies, I don't care that it's all mostly negative reviews. I'm not expecting anything good out of this. But it was even worse than what I was expecting. You get about 10 minutes of a very poorly written by a non-native English speaker visual novel where the sentence and grammar structure is terrible. I mean, you do get to see some really slick looking boobs. I'm pretty sure slick these are, like, are uh, yeah, bot assets. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not, none of it's good at all. And then you like, you get like 10 minutes in and it's like to be continued. And then the game just like doesn't do anything from that point. So I went and I checked and people were like, there's only 10 minutes of a game here. What is this bullshit? It's a scam. I was like, okay. Well, I guess I'll refund my 49 cent purchase. And and that's what I did. So, yeah. It's not even like a, a good schlocky experience. I, I love the uh, d- discussion uh, threads on this. Why are they all naked? <laughs> that's the point. There's some kind of alternate universe thing going on. Like, it feels like somebody was like, I'm going to write a story. And it's going to involve some sci-fi stuff and an alternate universe and an accident in space. And this one guy's going to get transported to an alternate version of his space station where everyone's naked and wacky things happen. And then he just stopped writing at that point. Because it's got, like, an interesting setup that would be perfect for, you know, a B-movie schlocky style type of adventure. Because that's exactly what the setup is. Like, there's this guy in the future who's working on a, a satellite in space, and there's some kind of, like, accident and an explosion, and he gets transported to an alternate uh, dimension and wakes up, and everyone that he knows that from the, the space station where he was working on before are there, but they don't know him, and they're also all completely naked all the time for reasons. And shiny. Most of the time. And on, on, on yeah. most of these screenshots, are uh, looks like it's like 90-some degrees in this uh, space station, and they're just all sweaty. Yeah. Yep, that's exactly what they look like. And, you know, that's a great setup for, like I said, a schlocky B-movie type thing. But it's like, that's all that this guy wrote. And then he stopped, and he was like, yeah, I'll sell that. Uh, well, no, no, no. Let's be honest. He finished. Ah, he was typing it with one hand wink so yeah it's terrible don't buy it it's not even worth a worth a joke um and then at some point he added like five thousand achievements to it so from the moment you open the game of course you just get this constant roll of achievement unlocked achievement unlocked and i think it got through a couple hundred achievements before i finished reading what was there and I closed it and never opened again. So, yay? Guess? Well, that pretty much tells you he's uh, really going to work on this if he went the achievement uh, spam route. Uh, well, there's a reason why Valve has uh, yeah, uh, implemented limits on achievements now, because there's more than a few games that does that. I, 
Yep. Okay. Uh, okay. I don't get yeah, it. Yeah, I was about to say, am I old here? Do, do I just not get this? I mean, I understand, you know, uh, going after difficult achievements for the bragging rights or, you know, to 100% a game. But a game that literally you sit there and it just spams achievements till it hits 5,000. Yeah. Or better yet, uh, there's a couple games, and I use games as a very, very loose definition. That's literally a colored screen, depending on the version you're getting. And it just counts off the uh, achievements as it, uh, as they roll. That's it. Yeah, I don't, I don't get that either. I mean, we've had a, a couple of conversations on the show about achievements as a whole. But I just don't get the point of those, you know, 5,000... 10,000, 20,000 plus achievement games. Like, who gives a shit? They don't matter anyway. The thing that makes achievements matter is that you have achieved something in the game. Oh, what, a sense of pride and accomplishment? Nah. We get that by spending money on microtransactions. Hey. Alright, the next game out of my last three is uh, Star Merchant. Another space game can anyone detect what my theme is um uh, so this games. feels like ooh, so this feels like sort of an old school flash game um there's it's basically just interacting with menus um y- there are 10 planets that you can go to that each have uh, a distribution of items uh, that you can trade because you are a star merchant. Uh, and you, you know, buy, buy cheap on one planet, sell, uh, expensive on a different planet. And it's got like, a some, it's got some basic combat mechanics where that your ship has stats for combat. You can hire escort ships to follow you around. I say follow, they, you know, they're just there if you get into combat. Like it'll show you what all your escort ships did. Uh, you've got some special items you can get that'll help you out in combat. Either deal more damage, flee, uh, you know, 100% chance guaranteed to flee, or, or whatever like that. Um, and there are different characters that you can interact with. Like, every planet has a governor that you can go talk to, and sometimes they'll give you bonuses or give you, like, missions, which can constitute... Go to X planet and buy Y item and bring it back. So, you know, very simple fetch quest type stuff. Um, it would be really boring and stupid, but because it's just like click on a menu, do the thing. Click on the next menu, do the thing. The gameplay actually goes really, really, really fast. So you're constantly engaged with what you're doing. And even though there's sort of repetitive mundane tasks and there's nothing like fantastic about the game. It's still a decent little uh, little time waster. Maybe that's the wrong way to say it. Because it is engaging while you're doing it because it moves so quickly. But there's very little, like, overall substance there. I found a couple of, like, little Easter egg type things and references to some sci-fi TV shows and movies. But uh, there's not a ton of that stuff in there. It's just a really basic, simple, seemingly, like, Flash game. Where that you just are a, a a space trader, a star merchant, as it were, buying low and selling high on planets, like you do. It's not bad, and it's and it's super cheap. This is another one that I was like, um, well, I I could 
you know, fit in an extra super cheap game here if I can find one that I want. For I thought you weren't. I thought you said you weren't going to do this. Well, see, what happened was the first round of games that I purchased, I had just like a tiny leftover amount. And I was like, okay, I'm going to get one game as like a filler. But then I returned a couple of games, and so I bought another another game or two. And I was like, I have a dollar left. I'll buy a game as a filler. And so that's how I wound up with a couple of games like this. Every other game on my list was more expensive. I didn't wind up with anything that was like, you know, 30 25 30 bucks or whatever but i had several games in the 10 20 range overall after a couple of you know refunds on things and you know each time whatever i had left over i was like i'm gonna spend it all or as much of it as i can so that's how i wound up with a couple of really cheap games i think this is the only other one that was that cheap space explorers and star merchant but I mean, yeah, Star March is not bad. I mean, it's worth the 80 cents that I paid for it. I've definitely gotten 80 cents worth of entertainment out of it. And I'll probably go back and play it again. And then it's got trading cards. So I'll probably get most of the money back out of this game that I paid for it just from card farming. The final game that I have on my list of 10 games is Melting World Online. And I immediately noped out of this game after I launched it and started playing it. Uh, it's or is this going to uh, very, appear on the VGL Awards? It might. It's very clearly a browser game. It appears to be an older browser game that someone has adopted and put onto Steam, which in itself is not inherently bad. Um, the game is a, a sci-fi mech game where you're a, a commander of a base. You build mechs, send them on missions. It's got very simple turn-based controls or combat from what I can tell. And the reason I say from what I can tell is that bought the game, installed it, launched it. Everything's awesome, right? Great. Uh, with this game involved, I'm not sure about the, that. Going through a couple of the tutorial things and then I'm like, wait a second. Is that a premium currency in my PC game, which I paid $6 for on the Steam sale? <laughs> And yes, it is. This game has microtransactions, which are not disclosed anywhere on the store page or in the screenshots. Like you can looking at the screenshots now, I can tell where the premium currency like it. You can see that you have two currencies, but with no other information. I mean, in strategy games, oftentimes you have multiple resource types and it's not clear up front that they're both currencies like one of them is is yellow with like a yellow square and the other one is green with like a green square with some squiggly lines inside of it and you can't tell what they are so i just was thinking like looking at the screenshot like oh okay i've got different base resources i have to manage but nope there's in-game currency and premium currency Uh, and it's got oh yeah very much pay to win because it's uh an an mmo so there's a lot of PvE stuff to it too, but it's like that mobile, uh, not Clash of Clans, but like there's a giant map and you have a base on the map that you build and other players can come and attack your base. Clash Royale. Like it's that sort of thing. Uh, sure. But I mean, it's very obviously pay to win. So I played this game for all of two minutes and noped right out of that because I that's not what I want from my PC game. And I was very sad because I saw this game and I was like, oh, mechs. I love mechs. 
but I hate this type of mech. <laughs> so, you know, I, I bought You love it. your mechs, but you hate I, your uh, premium currency more. Indeed. So I, I sold that right quick, fast, and in a jiffy, and uh, shan't be touching it again. And those are all of my games, and those were all of your games. Hey, we're only at and the... Jesus, did we, yeah, spend, we're, did we spend a lot of time yeah, on this? we're at, like, the two hours and change mark. Like, 2.15, 2.17, something like that. Yep. Damn. And I'm at the, my throat is very sore mark. So, I'm assuming you don't want to have uh, your talkie bit. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm not, uh, I'm not so, so how are we sure. going to play this? Uh... I mean, the news topics for this week aren't that major. <laughs> Not really. Do we just want to have um, this be a catch-up episode of uh, talking about uh, our Steam sale? That would be pretty good. Um, I mean, I have more games that I bought on the Steam sale, but I haven't played them yet. And my goal is to play through all of the rest of them before uh, before the sale ends so that I can refund yeah. them and maybe have a shot at at buying a few games still. Yeah, well, I refund. I picked up Final Fantasy 13, and it is just an FPS nightmare. So it refunded that, but I've went through pretty much everything I picked up, and uh, only ones I haven't uh, uh, tried out are ones that I'm pretty sure are going to work. Uh, but I focused more on stuff that was older because I got a couple that are like early 2000s. Yeah. Like, uh, Experience 112, which actually is Experiment 112, when I, when I played it. A different name for the U.S. version, I guess. Uh, very interesting, uh, adventure game that's gonna be on the game club at some point. I'm pushing for that one. Yep. <laughs> which one was it again? Experience 112? Yeah. Thought you picked that up. You, you uh, seem very intrigued by it. I was talking about picking it up. I did not actually pick it up at this point. Well, it's $3. But, uh, $3. But when uh, I refunded Final Fantasy thirteen and selling off my cards, I'm actually back up to 15 bucks. I'm uh, toying around with, do I want to uh, save it for next time around or buy something? Yeah, I currently have a pending balance of fifteen twenty nine from... Uh, another refund. But was there anything else it was, it was major tyranny. that you picked up? Oh, because of the Twitch uh, uh, prime. Yep. Yeah, I've been looking forward to playing Tyranny for quite a while, which is saying something because it's an isometric yeah, CRPG. Yeah, I think I got that through a Humble Bundle. But uh, I bought it and like I had just bought it and you messaged me on Steam and you were like, Look at all these games that Twitch Prime well, is giving well, away. The reason why I did that was I saw that you had Tyranny, or, or it was either Tyranny or Pillars of Eternity. Uh, it was Pillars of Eternity, because that's the first one. It was on your wish list, and I thought, ooh, I need to tell Jared this. <laughs> yeah, so I, I refunded it immediately, and I'm just going to wait until Twitch Prime puts it yeah. out. Um, let's see, major any other major games, though? Um Let's see. I've got. I mean, uh, I got some stuff there. Uh, Game Club candidates that I picked up that were cheap, but yeah, nothing uh, particularly major. A lot of mine are, was clearing out the the wish list, or just DLC. Like yeah, I got so... two things for uh, City Skylines as well, which I would have talked about this week, but Kyle distracted me. 
Yeah, let's see. I bought Interstellaria, um, which is a space uh, RPG that looks sort of like Terraria or Starbound, mm-hmm. um, but it's more retro style graphics. Like I know that uh, Terraria and Starbound are sort of eight bit or sixteen bit, you know, but this looks like it should have come out on like uh, like an Amiga. Or a Commodore 64, something like oh, that. Oh, wow, like that that's far back? what it reminds me of. That's what it reminds me of. It's not quite that bad looking, but that's a, a, a sense of what I get going for. Like an 80s style uh, game. And they got Planet Stronghold, which is uh, um, an, a, a visual novel, like an RPG visual novel that is sci-fi themed. Which I've had that on my list just for a yeah, long time. Yeah, let's see some of the things I got. Uh, I got uh, uh, the Fideo Incident, which is Walking Simulator Game Club Fodder. That's a, a buck. I know you got that. Uh, I got Pyre. I got Beat Cop. I got Kim. All the all three are uh, both Game Club uh, content, but also very interesting games. Uh, contrast, uh, same thing. Uh, uh, a uh, something that may end up on the channel at some point. Uh, a very interesting uh, puzzle platformer playing around with uh, light and shadows. Yeah. Uh, Dragon Commander. Yeah, Divinity Dragon yeah, Commander. Well, which I already yeah, have. on my list it just lists Dragon Commander. Uh, not sure if Game Club or just play on the channel, but. Uh, but I did toy around with the tutorial and uh, interesting. Uh, yeah, uh, I look at it this way: it's a hell of a lot better than the RTS sections of uh, Brutal Legend. But that's a low bar. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I absolutely hated that. Uh, controlled poorly. Didn't you buy Starhammer? Uh, no, I did not. Okay, I thought you were talking about. I was it. thinking about it. Maybe. Okay. Yeah, I bought Starhammer, which is a a space or a space strategy game that's got pseudo turn-based combat. Like you plan out your turn, and then your turn takes place at the same time as your opponent's turn. Yeah, uh, there's a few games like that. Uh, there's a Battlestar Galactica version of it. Uh, there's a yeah, Warhammer 40k like the, the, version. This is the game that the same studio made before they did Battlestar Galactica. So, there's a, a lot of similarities between the two. Yeah, maybe I'll pick that up because, uh, you know, I, I, I'm going to pick up something and it looks very interesting. Yeah. I got Summer Fling, which is a schlocky looking visual novel. I'm required to purchase one of those per sale. It's uh, written into the law. Uh, much like a uh, columnist on a snake. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, I got, uh, well, I, I bought... got Don't Starve uh, Shipwrecked solely because, uh, the clay survival pack, uh, which included oxygen not included, because I had don't starve and uh, because I had don't starve before don't starve together was announced or released or something, I got don't starve together, and because of how the pack worked, it was one of those you know complete the pack, and it was actually like a buck fifty two bucks cheaper to buy don't starve together or don't starve uh, shipwrecked and oxygen not included. Which uh, prompted me to tweet out, uh, be sure to check packs. 
Uh, Scant or Sombre, that's another one that yeah. is a potential game club. Even though that's a lot more mechanics-based. Yeah. Uh, I also picked up Major Minor, which is another visual novel. Uh, anthropomorphic animals. You know, we really um, need to get you on some of the better visual novels. I have heard that Major Minor, it's got some schlock to it, but it's actually supposed to be a really good visual novel. The problem is that the very so, good know. visual novels are also very expensive. Even though they are, you know, uh, some of them are multi-hundred hour uh, affairs. There's a you know, kind of disconnect of spending, you know, 30, 40 bucks on what's essentially a novel. Yeah. Um, it's initially major minor was like a 40, 35 or a $40 visual novel. And then it was reduced like the normal price down to 20 bucks. Cause this, this visual novels a couple of years old at this point. And then right now it's on sale for three bucks to get the, the complete edition. Memory serves. Is it was it this one or whenever Val was doing the crackdown on the anime boobies? Uh, I, no, I think it was another one that was that yeah, uh, similar to this in its art style. You know, the furry. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, they essentially cut the price down to sub five bucks. Yeah, I don't think that that was this one. Maybe it was. I don't remember. Uh, but. I am a little leery to pick this one up because of one of the curators I follow. Uh, okay. Uh, the anti-consumer uh, practice report. Developer has falsely flagged the legitimate reviews, which uh, focused on things directly related to the game on Steam, claiming them to be abusive and off-topic. Gotcha. Um, I also picked up From the Depths, although I didn't buy that specifically from Steam. Um, I got that from there's something different now they used to be like rocket deals or something like that but they were just a site that had um sort of like green man games Mm -hmm. that sort of stuff um and right before the steam sale started they had this for 79 cents which was cheaper than what the steam sale price was expected to be based on uh like the history of the game so I picked it up there because From the Depths have been on my wish list for ever since it first released in early access a few years. I got uh, Jim actually sent me that. I need to play it. I just got it got not really lost in the shuffle because I have it on my favorites to stand out. Uh, but uh, it's kind of a weird thing. I had a bunch of money in my uh, Steam wallet, but budget was a little tight elsewhere. Yeah. So I was uh, um, I I kind got... of balking on it. It's, it was actually going to look at it and picking it up on the sale, but Jim shipped it to me. If you pardon the tongue yeah. turn of phrase there. Um, I've got two more games that I've gotten from the sale. One of them I bought and one of them I got as a gift. So the first, Project Genome, which is an MMO that, uh, sci-fi themed MMO, uh, sort of following the old Guild Wars model of buy once and you're in forever. Mm-hmm. Um, the game was thought to be dead and I was on the verge of taking it off my wish list during the purge, but in the last couple of months, the devs have come back and started putting out regular, both content updates and bug fixes and stuff. Uh, and so I went ahead and, and spent like eight or $9 on it. And then can you guess what game Kyle purchased for me? Uh, golf with friends. No, it was not that, uh, think more, uh, dark. 
and spirity with a little little mastery uh remastering well, i was about I to say uh the darkest of souls perhaps <laughs> yeah kyle bought me dark souls remastered so i do promise kyle that we will play together we'll we'll uh we'll, we'll play bros bro souls yeah let's see we can be sun bros together. i have the land song uh season pass which is also game club fodder potentially Atash Legacy, Grim Dawn, which is a little bit more MMO-ish on the RPG side of things, but looks interesting. Uh, Euro Truck Simulator, uh, uh, High Power Cargo Pack, America Truck Simulator, New Mexico, uh, Rock of Ages 2, Superflight, uh, Boss Constructor. No, I did get Starhammer. I thought I didn't. It's not showing up on my list. All right. I don't have the Steam client loaded though, so um, maybe it just got lost in the shuffle. Or oh no, there it goes. I think I wasn't logged in uh, when I originally looked at it. So yeah, I did pick up Starhammer. I, I was trying to figure out if I did or didn't. I forgot one because uh, it's gotten kind of mixed up uh, with some other stuff. Boss constructor. Yeah, I did get boss constructor. So, I've played it for a few minutes. For some reason, Steam says I've played it for nearly half an hour, but it's definitely not right. I only played it for a few minutes just to make sure that it wasn't broken, basically. Yeah, that, that's pretty much what I did was I went through every single one of my games. Uh, well, the major ones. I didn't do things like uh, Kim beat Cop and Power because those are uh, pretty much going to be game club stuff at some point. Yeah. It's just they were cheap right now. Uh, Kim is a very interesting game. It's uh, set in uh, colonial uh, India. And it's uh, essentially a sandbox slash... Well, not really open world, but a, a sandbox RPG where uh, you're doing your own thing and uh, the story unfolds uh, depending on what you do. Very interesting. Uh, just for the setting alone. Gotcha. So yeah, that's I'm, I'm double-checking. That's all the games yeah. from the Steam sale that I purchased. And these will show up again in the next week or two as I actually spend some more time with them. But yeah, these are the ones I just checked to make sure that they worked. No major problems. And then, you know, set aside to actually try. Honestly, I was a little uh, uh, surprised that uh, experience slash experiment uh, 112 worked as well as it did. Needed a little bit of changing on the uh, uh, resolution because it defaulted resolution you know, uh, uh, 4x3. But overall, uh, surprised yeah. that one worked as well as it did. Yeah, so uh, that was on my wish list on GOG for ages. I actually didn't realize it went on uh, uh, to Steam until very recently. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, yeah the Steam sale segment. Indeed, indeed. Um, yeah, we can go ahead and just uh, in the not do uh, in. The, the news topics and uh do we want to do discovery queue or start wrapping things up uh because i have a very interesting start on my discovery queue i could see let's go ahead and do a discovery queue all right doobly do um, i've got that i've got that left yeah doobly do yeah and queue. i'll kick off immediately by dropping this into the show notes as soon as i drag the show notes down here and drag that there yeah, usually I'm uh yeah dragging things around. Uh, will you stop that and 
Alright, there we go. I'm not, I'm not doing anything. I'm sorry. Windows is a pain in the ass at times. Sometimes. Uh, Shamu yeah. one and two on uh, Steam. <coughs> uh, okay, I saw that. Yeah, well, this was on the very beginning of my discovery queue. Uh, pr- uh pretty much set the standard for uh, real time action adventure for actually quite a while and. It didn't invent the uh, quick time event, but it popularized it. And Shimu has gotten uh, a, a really a cult following just because of it initially releasing on what turned out to be a dead end console with the Dreamcast. Unfortunately, mostly due to uh, to Sega's utter incompetence, but we covered that in the past. It did release eventually on the Xbox, but. Uh, yeah, this is uh, it seeing a wider audience before Shenmue 3 eventually comes out. So, yeah, uh, it's going to be 26 bucks on launch uh, uh, with the 10% uh, cut with 30 on a uh, normal price, which seems uh, like a bit much when this doesn't look like it's a remaster in any stretch of the imagination. Which is a little yeah. much to bite uh, bite off, but that's also two games, so I don't know. Uh, I yeah. would say it's probably a sell I, item. Yeah, I'm probably I'm I don't think I'm gonna pick it up, regardless. I mean, Shinra's uh, yeah. okay. Well, I, nev- well, I, I never really got to play it. You know, yeah, I, I played the original, or you know, played them on their original platform, and I mean they're not bad, but they're not great either. I don't know. I might appreciate them more now that I'm an adult, but. So, uh, I found one pretty quickly on my list, Hex Gambit, a hex-based turn, or a hex turn-based strategy game, uh, where it looks like, uh, you pick a squad of interesting and weird little robots and have them fight other interesting and weird little robots, uh, in an arena, and it's turn-based, and I like turn-based games. There's not enough of those out there that I find enjoyable and, and intriguing, so I'll take a shot at this. Alright, well, here's uh, uh, Scum, a open-world multiplayer survival game. Uh, actually, a hardcore survival game. Uh, when this was uh, talked about on the, I think it was the PC Gamer Show, I actually went and looked at some of the videos on the store page. And they're talking about things like layering of clothing and uh, sweat actually soaking clothing to cause uh, potential hypothermia. Uh, uh, it's a very, very interesting on just how in-depth this is going. Which makes me think it may not do as well as they're hoping because they're going very, very extreme on the complexity here. Uh, the, uh, characters... Uh, uh, have uh, internal uh, vitals that are a lot more realistic than uh, most uh, uh, open world stra- uh, survival games. Uh, and that, as you uh, work out, essentially, uh, you build up your muscles. It, like I said, very interesting, but it makes me wonder the long term viability of it because of the player base. Because th- there tends to be a very nomadic. Uh, player base with these games so will they stick around with it long enough that's the question I suppose we'll find out 
So I'm running into a problem with my discovery queue. Uh, yes, but also a lot of stuff that I recently removed from my wish list. Well, Mark, I'm not interested. That is what I am doing. But it's taking it. It's it's hogging up my discovery queue. So, another doobly do. <laughs> yeah, I'm already. I'm in a second queue. I had well, I've, one game. Well, I hadn't done my discovery either. queues for the day anyway for cards, which also is eating up uh, some of my good stuff. Yeah, I haven't been doing that regularly. I mean, I've done a few throughout the sale, but I just haven't really thought about it. Oh, that's an obvious bubble port. No, thank you. Something that uh, irritates me. Uh, 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 how about uh, a, a, a fucking psychotic hatred? Is mobile ports that uh, port in portrait mode and don't bother to try to, you know, actually fit the screen? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, thankfully for you, Elder Scrolls Blades. What, it's not just uh, playable in conference mode? Yeah. Okay, here's something interesting. Not sure why it's spinning this out now, but oh, what the hell. Need for Speed Undercover. Uh, one okay. of the older Need for Speed games, if memory serves. I believe this is one of the more schlocky uh, live-action uh, 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 cutscenes. It doesn't actually have the trailer on this, so I can't confirm which one it is. Uh, but the Need for Speed games, at least for a time, were a lot of interesting pseudo-open-world racing. Or, or It was open-world racing, but uh, the tracks tended to cut off whenever you were in an actual race. And uh, the cops can be rather brutal in some of these. But it was an interesting game for its time. Granted, this is a 10-year-old game now. So a lot of the glow effects and uh, stuff that covers up uh, some of the uh, older models, uh, you know, it's very, yeah. does look like this is one of the live action ones based on the screenshots, which hasn't the newer Need for Speeds really cut, uh, cut back or, or completely removed the uh, live uh, action video? Yeah, I'm not sure if it's been completely removed, but it certainly was cut back. And some of the stuff, either they put like a filter over the top of it, the footage to make it look CG less. Yeah, like it make it look more CG, or they've actually started doing CG on some. Which of is stuff. disappointing because that's kind of the charm and need for speed, you know, the schlock. Yeah, I know. Uh, me uh, advocating for schlocky stuff. Hell must have frozen over. Oh, my feet are a little cold. <laughs> huh, interesting. Uh, let me copy and paste this one. Unforeseen incidents. This looks to be a point-and-click adventure. Uh, Unforeseen incidents is a classical-style interactive mystery set in a beautifully hand-painted world. Uh, John Penroll... Uh, Join uh, Harper Penrill, sorry, and experience a challenging investigation, smart dialogue, and rich cast of characters in this thrilling new adventure game. It has a very 
distorted art style, particularly on that main character. <laughs> he is very high crotched. <laughs> I like that. Just like that. Well, look at him. Very high crotched. Uh, he has these little spindly legs. He, he looks like uh, uh, he lost his legs at some point and uh, replaced them with pencils. Oh, wow, he does have really spindly legs. I've seen this before somewhere. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, but you look at the other characters, and they look somewhat normal. And also, he has a very, very blocky chin. That, that's a weird, weird... Uh, I think it's mostly because the other characters look somewhat normal, maybe a little bit deformed, but he just is extremely high-crotched. This looks interesting. I mean, it it does look interesting. Well, yes, but not what I was talking about. I was drawn in by finally a second game for me to talk about. Ion Maiden. Uh, This is a first-person shooter that they're saying that they made it using uh, the build engine, which powered... Or, which was the engine that Duke Nukem 3D, uh, the original Shadow Warrior, a game called Blood, which I've never heard of, was was made. Yeah, we're, uh, yeah so, there's been a resurgence of these uh, uh, for the last uh, few months. I've been running into a lot of games that are built, at least, if not on this engine, made to look like it. But unfortunately, yeah, it's it's the Unity problem. Where there's so many games that are just shoved out to look like this, that it's kind of sullied the reputation. Yeah, that's fair, but it it still looks interesting, and that's good enough for me at this point. Uh, looks like uh, selling initial demo with promise of bonus content to come. Developer is unable to even define what they're selling, according to this, according to one of my. Uh, uh, curators that keeps an eye on these things. I'm not sure if they uh, updated or not, but yeah, that's a red flag if I've ever seen one. Yeah. Uh, but I added one. Uh, Inner Space. This is a flying exploration game. I've seen this pop up a couple times. I'm actually shocked it wasn't on my wish list already. Where you're uh, flying around in a essentially inverted planetoid where instead of all the interesting stuff being on the surface it's like an empty shell and you're flying around the inner space huh huh, huh? see they got a got the uh-huh. name from that but yeah if you're into uh, exploration games this is definitely up your alley I kind of want to do one more just to finish off on my uh, my card cues <laughs> I mean, I just wrapped up a queue, so... Alright, well, it's doing the annoying... Unable to load your queue, because, you know, the thing is uh, completely borked right now. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess that's uh, it for the doobly-doos. Sweet. Moving on to the part of the podcast where I go first... If you want to find me and the things on the YouTubes, you can do so by searching for Gaming Psychologist on YouTube. You'll find the podcast there, as long as, or as well as old stream highlights, uh, the old content that we've worked on, 
whenever we get around to recording it, you will see, or recording more of it, you will see the Spin Tires Mud Runner series that we've started on. Uh, but that's going to be a couple of weeks out at least. Yeah, I need to actually get um, some stuff in the can for that one. I've currently got no active projects going on, so mostly just occasionally I'll put something random up, but generally it's just the podcast and any associated content which premieres on Twitch and then gets sent over to YouTube as well. And speaking of that Twitch, go to twitch.tv slash jarthur4707 to see the Twitch premiere system that I use where I put up our episodes live if you want to go watch the the live episode and commentate on it and discuss it with your failure fellow vgo podcast yeah listeners. maybe we should pull some and of the I comments also, from that at some point and uh, i also host um do like auto hosting for some of the streamers that we have in our community which includes kyle and ghost shark uh i i opened it up earlier today and kyle was streaming civ 6 um, I didn't stick around for long. I was just checking something out and setting something up to stream later. And then I had to leave because I was at work. But Kyle's been streaming a lot here lately. So you can either go to his channel and support him. Or if for some for some reason you don't want to do that and you want to support my Twitch channel, you can just head over there and watch when he's premiered. Uh, and then other things you can go to on the Twitter. You can find me at JMA4707 where I tweet about all kinds of things. The last couple of tweets that I have tweeted, aside from angry, angrily yelling at uh, certain political figures... Oh, I missed uh, that? I need to go back and look really, at that. Oh, uh, it's just been really simple stuff. It's not been like a rant where I've gone off, but... Oh, the I'll only give, other give thing a that time, give a time. <laughs> ...here recently has to do with just me being tired from working like crazy this week. And if you want to be my friend on Steam, where you can chat with me at any point in time, you can do so by sending a friend, a friend request to jarthur4707 on Steam. And if you wish to let them know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from, the password for this week is catch up. As in catching up. Nice. Catch up. Not the condiment. Catch up. Aww. You just like the word condiment uh, because it sounds like something else. Indeed. What about uh, you, Speaking buddy? of sounding like something else. Where can they find you? <laughs> uh, well, I'm still in uh, kind of getting back on my feet uh, after everything. Mostly because I spent time uh, working on getting uh, New Vegas up and running because that took a lot longer than I expected. Mostly because I had a few mods that were conflicting and yeah. Bethesda, right? Even though, yes, I realized New Vegas was uh, uh, developed by Obsidian, but it's still Bethesda's fault. Um, focused mostly on getting, uh, keeping RimWorld up and going. It's still ongoing uh, somehow. <laughs> uh, closing on episode 50 on that. Uh, on the current playthrough, I should say, this is, uh, uh, run what like seven or eight already? I've played a stupid amount of RimWorld. Yeah, after me, but you like yeah, it though. I, yeah, so I'm okay. getting a little frustrated with uh, it throwing essentially the same raid at me over and over again. But it's yeah, you know, just the diversity, uh, a diversity problem. Uh, have lost a couple people recently though, so yeah, maybe on the downturn, maybe I'll uh, bounce back, turn, uh, tune in, and find out. 
like I said before, we're going to be uh, starting up Rage probably next week. It just requires me to be rested at well in the evening to be able to play it uh, effectively. Uh, Spin Tires will Bud Runner will be there in the next couple weeks, depending on just when we're able to record and when Jared's not dead on his feet. Sunday Sampler should be returning this week. Uh, I ended up not recording it for the last couple weeks, mostly due to trying to get through Tales of the Borderland, then getting uh, uh New Vegas up and running, and also tried doing just uh, the uh, uh ten uh games under ten dollars, or start uh, was starting to get to the point where it was either going to be repeating stuff, or you know really scraping the bottom of the barrel, or things that I couldn't. Uh, fully uh, recommend. So ended up not doing that, and I was going to do you know a talky talky bit, but every time I did it, it just didn't feel right. And I at least have some uh, attempt of uh, doing quality content. Uh, at least I try to. Okay, maybe. You can do it. Uh, but should be bringing the Sunday sampler back. If not this week, then next. It really depends on how things shake out on review copies. Because also, you know, Steam sale, you know, throws news out the window. It throws, uh, new game releases out the window. Because any developer, uh, half sane, wouldn't release during the same, during the Steam sale. Which is why we see a lot of uh, shovelware really during the Steam sale. <laughs> Uh, just try to hide it all, you know? Uh, yeah. But should be coming back next week for the Sunday Sampler. And, well, I, I am planning on starting up Twitch. I do want to get uh, uh, YouTube uh, stabilized first, though. So that's going to be my primary concern. Once Rage and uh, RimWorld are stabilized and I have uh, the Sunday Sampler going really nicely. I'm looking at probably oxygen not included uh, uh, pl- uh, playing that or maybe something else. Uh, any uh, suggestions? Well, go over to my library and start picking through it. And uh, be sure to tie a rope around yourself. That's uh, Caffeine Rage on Steam. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe uh, turn on some epic music whenever you o- open it. <laughs> uh, all other possibilities are just the Twitch games, which... Uh, would be a, uh, yeah, interesting. Play the Twitch games as they uh, release. Uh, but I'm really gonna uh, commit to that just yet because, yeah, uh, YouTube first. Yeah, I gotta be buried by that algorithm before I get buried by the Twitch algorithms, right? Yeah, definitely. But if you wish to, you know, fight against the algorithm and go to me directly, you can find me over at Gaming with Caffeine Rage on YouTube. I am Caffeine Rage on the Twitter or on uh, Twitch. So if you want to, you know, pregame on that one and complete silence, but to be expected. And, but there hasn't been complete silence on the Twitter, Gaming with CR, where I uh, had a little bit of a chuckle by, uh, you know, uh, Uranus being devastated by Agent Event. <laughs> Uh, I chuckled like a uh, uh, like a ten year old when I read that on my news app, so I had to share it. <laughs> uh, and it, we we all know, yeah, that's Jared's dream anyway, right? Oh yeah, to devastate Uranus. Absolutely. So uh, bite the pill, or we're going and draw. <laughs> Uh, I'm not mean. I'll I'll use lubricant. 
Unless you don't want to, in which case I don't. <laughs> uh, if you were to tell Jared exactly what type of lubricant or lack thereof uh, you prefer, you could do so at VGLpodcast at gmail.com or just send letters, voicemails, game-related topics, or tweet us VGLpodcast on the Twitter. Our lubricant supply is paid for by our patrons, patreon.com slash VGLpodcast, which also mostly goes to uh, podcast-related projects and our Podbean account vglpodcast.podbean.com which hosts the RSS feed and our show notes or you can just find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher uh, Jared's bedroom late, late, late at night Spreaker <laughs> I recently added us to Spreaker although there's some problems with it not updating the RSS feed properly Okay, uh, question but, What the uh, fuck is Spreaker? Uh, it is a podcasting platform um, one of the things that they do is live shows and they can offer customized RSS feeds to people who, uh, it works through like Patreon. So if you have like multiple shows as part of a network or something, and you can support through Patreon, you can generate a custom RSS feed to only see the content that you want to see, but uh, you can upload, it's supposed to automatically cycle through your most recent couple of episodes in the feed for your, your show. But it's not updating properly, and I'm not sure if I'm not doing something right or or what. But I think Spreaker is intended more to be like a podcast network yeah. manager. But you can upload to it for free, uh, you know, just a, a small amount of episodes. So I'm like, why not increase places where people can find us? Well, since Spreaker isn't doing it right, we will do it right. And give proper attribution to Kevin McLeod for On the Ground and Doobly-Doo, our intro and outro music, and the Discovery Q music. His work can be found at Incomputech.com and... As always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my scratchy <laughs> voice. <laughs> Bye-bye uh, now. See you next time. <laughs>